MRN's Classic Races are brought to you by Hercules Tires. MRN Radio presents the NASCAR Bush Series. Today, the Lycos.com 250. Sponsored by Sears Die Hard, America's most trusted battery. Sponsoring the Die Hard Race Fan by 76 Products, makers of the official fuel of NASCAR. By True Value, the official hardware store of NASCAR and garages everywhere. By your Luxair air conditioning dealer, sponsor of the 1996 NASCAR Bush Series Rookie of the Year, Glenn Allen in the number 99 Chevrolet. By Brewery Fresh Budweiser, who reminds you, fresh beer tastes better. By Wagner Brake Products, when it comes to your car or truck, don't stop with anything less than Wagner Brakes. By Moog Chassis Parts, the only chassis parts officially licensed by NASCAR. And by the makers of Lysol brand products, the proud sponsor of the Lysol 200. The cars are on the track here at Pikes Peak International Raceway. They have fired the engines and have rolled, completing the first of three pace laps. Let's take a look at the starting lineup for today's race. Johnny Chapman starts in the 42nd starting position. That is actually 43rd. Rick Corelli goes 42nd. Doug Taylor is 41st. 40th is Mark Day with Alan Russell starting in 39th. The uh, 38th position, Patty Moise. 37th is Blaze Alexander. 36th is Kevin Schwantz. Perry Tripp goes from 35th. Mike Cope is 34th today. Ed Barrier, 33rd. Jimmy Kitchens, subbing for Jimmy Foster, goes 32nd. Kevin Grubb goes 31st. 30th is Andy Santer. Tracy Leslie starts 29th. 28th is Mark Green and 27th Bobby Hillen. Brad Nofsinger goes 26th. Buckshot Jones is 25th. 24th starter Glenn Allen Jr. Shane Hall starts 23rd. 22nd is Mark Krogh and Phil Parsons will start 21st. Going in the 20th position, Jason Keller. Mike Dillon goes 19th with Elliot Sadler in the 18th starting spot. Stanton Barrett goes from 17th today. Mike McLaughlin starts 16th. Matt Hutter is 15th. Jeff Fuller 14th. 14th. Wayne Grubb goes from the 13th position. Tim Fito a 12th. And Tony Stewart, the only driver with any experience here, starts in the 11th spot. 10th starter, Hermie Sadler going 9th. Curtis Markham subbing for Dick Trickle, who is at Michigan today. Randy LaJoy starts 8th. 7th is Jeff Purvis. Elton Sawyer qualified 6th. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is 5th. Jeff Krogh will start 4th. Third, Ron Hornaday, and the front row from whom we've already heard, Joe Bessie of Scarborough, Maine, the power team Chevrolet. He'll start second, and on the bud pole, the Lycos Chevrolet of Cambridge, Wisconsin's Matt Kenseth, 134.193 miles an hour. That was the bud pole qualifying speed here at Pikes Peak International Raceway, a flat one-mile racetrack where we're set to go 250 laps, 250 miles in the Lycos.com 250. Matt Kenseth and Joe Bessie come to the line and the green flag is out. They are racing side by side for the first time into turn number one. As they make their way off turn two, they come in the view of our Dan Hubbard. And as they come through turn two, they're still side by side with Kansas to the inside line. Coming off of turn two now, Joe Bessie has just a bit of a problem. He washes up wide. He's trying to hang on to the bumper of Kansas. Cannot do it. Hornaday takes away second from Joe Bessie, although now Bessie tries to counterattack on the outside of turn four. But Hornaday handles well, works off the low side of the racetrack, swings wide as you have a tendency to push off turn number four. He'll grab second as Bessie now goes to Hornaday's inside in turn one. 
coming back into turn two. It is still Kenseth in the top spot by about a car length over Ron Hornaday Jr. Bessie looking to the inside will come off turn two even with Hornaday. Now swinging out wide is Dale Earnhardt Jr. as he takes onto the bumper of Bessie, but Bessie takes back second from Hornaday as the rest of the field pours into turn three. Bessie finally gets around using the inside lane. He'll grab the second spot behind race leader Matt Kenseth. The race now for third. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has the inside lane underneath Ron Hornaday. They're side by side going to turn one. Battle of the juniors going at it for third spot and Dale Earnhardt Jr. will take third away from Hornaday who now has to defend fourth position from Jeff Purvis. Down the back stretch they come. It's Purvis and Hornaday side by side for fourth as they come into turn three. Contact is made. Very light. Hornaday trying to work that middle groove has to slip back to fifth. So Purvis grabs fourth. Hornaday is in fifth. Mike Dillon on the move. He'll take sixth spot ahead of Krogh in seventh. Here's Fidua going eighth. Curtis Markham is ninth. It's two by two further back as the front two pull away to turn two. Coming off a of turn two it is Matt Kenseth and again Joe Bessie appears to have just a bit of a problem in turn two. Car not sticking low like Joe Bessie would like. Dale Earnhardt Jr. takes that inside line and now he rides in second place chasing down Matt Kenseth. Earnhardt Jr. made a power move coming off turn two swept down to the inside now to move himself to the second position. Bessie falls back in line in third front five cars are nose to tail. The battle further back Tim Fidua there trying to hold off Jeff Krogh on one side and Curtis Markham down to the inside of him off turn two. Fidua is sandwiched between Elton Sawyer and Jeff Crow as they come off turn two down the back stretch single file but right now Fidua rides along in that position trying to gain ground on the Barbasol Ford out of turn four. It's all the way single file back to Buckshot Jones who's running in 24th position right now as he finds himself side by side in traffic then closer to the front at around 15th Elliot Sadler to the inside of Jeff Fuller. Fuller tries challenging him to the outside not the way to get around Pikes Peak Raceway. Not the way to get around this early on a lot of the drivers said let's lay some rubber down and we'll see side by side racing about lap 30 to lap 50. For the moment Elliot Sadler outpowers Jeff Fuller into turn three. But let's look back up at the front of the field. Dale Earnhardt has chased down Matt Kenseth and is beginning to size him up for a way to get by. Earnhardt drops down to the lower groove going to turn one decides not to make the move this time. He'll hang on to second for the time being. Dale Earnhardt Jr. showing some powerful speed early on as they come off of turn two. They're still single file the top four cards. Your leader Matt Kenseth as Earnhardt Jr. takes a brief look to the inside. Joe Bessie a very, very close third. As Joe Bessie watches right there, it's in two or three car lanes back to Jeff Purvis. Another five car lanes further back to Hornaday, Elton Sawyer, Tim Fidua, and the rest of the field. It then doubles up behind them. Gone to the garage, Rick Corelli. Johnny Chapman has also taken his car to the garage area with handling problems. The leaders work the backstretch. Coming down the backstretch, it's still Kenseth in the top spot. Again, Earnhardt wants to take that inside line away, and I'm seeing some hand signals now from Dale Earnhardt Jr., maybe signaling Joe Bessie, but Earnhardt right on the back bumper of Matt Kenseth. Earnhardt peeks to the inside of uh, the Kenseth car, coming off turn number four, now drops down to the lower groove. The challenge is on. There goes Dale Jr. sweeping to the inside and around Matt Kenseth to take the lead. Your new leader, Dale Earnhardt Jr., coming off a of turn two. Kenseth will hang on for second. Joe Bessie in third, Jeff Purvis in fourth. That's a long way back, about four car lengths to fifth. Ron Hornaday Jr. has got his hands full with Elton Sawyer in the turn four. Meanwhile, Dale Earnhardt Jr., seven times this year he has already led races. The next man in line in that department, Mike McLaughlin, he's led five NASCAR Busch Series races thus far. Earnhardt Jr. leads Kenseth the second back to turn two. We're at lap number nine. Earnhardt Jr. trying to stretch out that lead, and he does so by about two car lengths, showing good speed down the back straightaway. A lot of horsepower in that Chevrolet. Kenseth riding along in second. Joe Bessie in third. Jeff Purvis may be closing ground now from the fourth spot. 
Jeff Purvis hangs on to the fourth position. Interesting race for a few laps there, back for the ninth position. Curtis Markham was racing alongside Hermie Sadler, and ordinarily, Curtis would be the spotter for Hermie Sadler. He today, however, is filling in for Dick Trickle, who's in Michigan. The field now works off turn two. Earnhardt Jr. has a three-car length lead on Matt Kenseth. Joe Bessie rides in third. Jeff Purvis is fourth. Back in fifth is where Ron Hornaday rides along. And now he's beginning to get some company there. Eli, Elton Sawyer's closing in on him. And Elton's been running well all weekend long. He begins to close in just a bit. You've got Mike Dillon trying to work himself up through the middle of race traffic. He had the rear end of his car just kick out and a nice move by Elliott Sadler not to get into the back of Dillon's automobile. We're working lap 11. We want to welcome those of you who've been tuned in to NASCAR Winston Cup coverage here on MRN Radio and the running of the Miller Lite 400 at Michigan with the win going to Mark Martin. We welcome you to Pikes Peak International Raceway here outside of Colorado Springs, Colorado, where Dale Earnhardt Jr. now leads at lap number 12 after Matt Kenseth led the first eight laps. The battle for the top spot now beginning to tighten just a bit off turn two. Kenseth was able to carry more speed into turns one and two, and he does bridge the gap there between himself and the leader, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Down the backstretch they come at speeds of 160 miles an hour. Single file, Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the lead, Kenseth the second, Joe Bessie still in third. Here now the race for the 10th position. Tony Stewart on the move. He started in 11th, lost a couple of spots early on, and now he's racing up alongside the car of Curtis Markham. Again, subbing for Dick Trickle this afternoon. Stewart was there, thinks better of it, falls back in line. Now he goes under attack. Behind him, Mike McLaughlin tries to make the move. They're off two. Tony Stewart in the shell. Pontiac looks to the inside of Curtis Markham, setting him up for a pass off a of turn two. Not close enough this time, although now Stewart swings out wide down the back stretch, tucks back in the line just behind Markham. Markham gets a little bit loose, washes up, and turn four. So Tony Stewart hugs the inside groove. Can he stay there off the corner? No, he's going to have to get back in line. Nearly gets nudged by Mike McLaughlin. Meanwhile, Doug Taylor makes an unscheduled pit stop 14 laps into the Lycoast.com 250. Citywide to countryside. Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there, no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTire.com. There, you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTire.com. Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. In 2021, NASCAR returns to Nashville. June 20th, Father's Day at Nashville Super Speedway. Be there when NASCAR's best return to Music City. Seating is limited, and we want you there. Visit NashvilleSuperspeedway.com to sign up for the ticket presale for the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series event at Nashville Super Speedway. June 20th, 2021, at Nashville Super Speedway. Sign up today for the exclusive ticket presale at NashvilleSuperspeedway.com. As has been the case at first-time runs for the NASCAR Bush Series, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is the man showing the way early on. He did the very same thing at several other events this year, earlier in the season, and once again shows he adapts well to a new facility. For the Pikes Peak International Raceway in Colorado, Earnhardt Jr. shows the way. He's got about a seven, maybe eight-car length lead over Bud Pole winner Matt Kenseth at the present time. And Eli, the first uh, maybe 15 cars are pretty well stretched out. There is some good racing from there on back, though. There's good racing among 
a lot of teams that really aren't handling all that well and that's why they're bunched up together and you can clearly see from our vantage point the fact that the top machines top 12 or 15 handling very low through the corners but from about uh, the Matt Hutter car on back from 20th position on back they're taking a much wider line into the corner and are barely just kissing that white line before drifting back up the limited banking it's only 10 degrees of banking and right in front of you Dan Hubbard that's been a big story in turn three absolutely and again the driver said there wouldn't be a second group till about lap 30 to lap 50 what we're noticing here at turns three and four the second group does exist some cars are working that middle group but they're not buying any speed at this point the fast way around is still on the bottom good racing going on from 12th on back down Jason Keller making the move there to the inside of Tim Fito while they're door to door off turn two these two have been going at it now for the last five laps it'll be Keller to the inside Fito to the outside again side by side into turns three and four and here's what we talked about Keller easily passes Fito to the inside of turn four there's just not enough grip to that middle groove yet so give him 12th with Fito back to 13th good side by side battle now Randy LaJoy working alongside Wayne Grubb they'll battle 14th and 15th now in turn number two here comes LaJoy down the back stretch between himself and Wayne Grubb coming down it's still LaJoy with Grubb there Grubb washes just a little bit high the almost contact made in the exit of turn two but LaJoy is in control to the outside again of turn three and just slams the door on Wayne Grubb right in the middle of turn three and four closer to the front a change for the sixth position Jeff Krogh made a move to the inside of Elton Sawyer grabbed that spot Sawyer falls in line behind him and he's got company there Hermie Sadler's on the move off turn two Hermie Sadler taking a nice low line now to the inside of Elton Sawyer now tucks back into line single file down the back stretch three cars nose to tail it is Jeff Crow Elton Sawyer and Elliot Sadler although Sadler and that DeWalt Chevrolet making up ground now in Sawyer as they exit turn four as they come off the corner, Hermie Sadler closing in just a bit more now on Elton Sawyer. Same car that Hermie drove last Friday night at Richmond, where he finished 14th. So many teams say this is another Richmond. You might as well bring the same car. Just ahead of them, Hornaday is on the move now. He'll challenge with a good scramble going to turn three. It'll be Hornaday to the inside of Jeff Purvis. Hornaday dove out of line to the back stretch the inside of turn three. And Hornaday will take that position away from Purvis. Purvis got up in the outside lane, worked hard to pull it back down, but can't do it before. Robert Presley makes the move and picks off that spot. Further back, we told you Hermie Sadler was chasing down Elton Sawyer. Well, he's caught him, Dan Hubbard, and is up alongside him now. And he does make the pass to Elton Sawyer right to the inside of turn one. It is Hermie Sadler for position right in front of Sawyer. Can Sawyer counterattack? Down the back stretch they come. Not yet. Sawyer just within a half car length of Hermie Sadler. Can't make the pass go there. They'll settle back in single file. We work lap number 27. Add to the attrition list Alan Russell he and Doug Taylor gone to the garage area with handling problems and Perry Tripp who made a pitch stop before the green even flew has now taken his car to the garage area as well with engine problems also let's get an update on Patty Moise she qualified middle of the field she's now backslid all the way to 36 let's get an update from the pitch Eli Patty is reporting just so, like a miss or like the, the engine is running on seven cylinders. They think it's just a bad plug wire, but a tough early break for Patty Moise. Jeff Krogh on the move back on the track here. Meanwhile, he dips to the inside of the Jeff Purvis car, picks up a position there. Purvis has lost two spots here in the last several laps, so there could be some concern going on there. Let's check at the other end of pit road with Marty Snyder. Anything going on there, Marty? Well, a lot of the cars are reporting loose. Randy LaJoy has lost some positions. He's loose getting into the corners. Also, Joe Bessie had some problems early on. He was loose getting into the corners as well. Now, remember, Matt Kenseth told us in the pre-race they are better on long runs, so they think everything's going fine for them. 
trouble. Lap 30, you'll see them go forward. Meanwhile, there's trouble up in turn number four. Caution is on the speedway as spinning is the Krogue machine coming down off the banking. He'll limp it towards the Pike Road and heading towards the garage area with a lot of damage on the rear, the right and left rear of that automobile. So a tough break for Mark Krogue, who brings out the first caution flag of the afternoon, spins out of the low groove and backs it into the outside retaining wall and turn four under caution with Dale Earnhardt Jr. leading at lap 30. Under caution for the first time this afternoon when Mark Krogh hit the wall up in turn number four. Several cars taking the opportunity to come down onto pit road. Tony Rizzuti. Tracy Leslie's in. Mike Cope is also in. Patty Moise is in. They're going to right side tires on her and hopefully going to check that engine situation. Two tire stop, now a four tire stop for Tr Tracy Leslie. We also expect Elton Sawyer coming in shortly. Marty Snyder. Elliot Sadler, Buckshot Jones in as well. 23 second stop for Jeff Purvis and three rounds down on the track bar. Their car extremely loose for Jeff Purvis. Today's broadcast of the Lycos.com 250 is brought to you under exclusive radio rights granted by the Pikes Peak International Raceway to MRN Radio solely for the private non-commercial use of our listening audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the description and accounts of this race without the expressed written consent of Pikes Peak International Raceway and MRN Radio is prohibited. Many teams elect to pit, but Dale Earnhardt Jr. not among them. He'll stay out as the race leader. Matt Kenseth is second. Joe Bessie runs third. Fourth belongs to Ron Hornaday. And fifth is Jeff Krogh. Under caution, lap number 32 from Pikes Peak International Raceway. This is MRN Radio. In 2021, NASCAR returns to Nashville. June 20th, Father's Day at Nashville Super Speedway. Be there when NASCAR's best return to Music City. Seating is limited, and we want you there. Visit NashvilleSuperspeedway.com to sign up for the ticket presale for the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series event at Nashville Super Speedway. June 20th, 2021, at Nashville Super Speedway. Sign up today for the exclusive ticket presale at NashvilleSuperspeedway.com. One to go signal is displayed here at Pikes Peak International Raceway, wrapping up the first caution of the afternoon. Let's check on pit road and see what the teams found on some of the cars when they made stops. Well, they got the chance to pit on lap 31, which is an advantage because they wanted to check the tire wear. Jeff Purvis's car was loose. The reason his right rear tire started blistering. Now, there's a lot of teams down here who did not pit, who now wish they had. Their cars were handling fine but they think the tires might blister on this next run. Let's go to Tony Rizzuti. Jeff Hensley, crew chief for Tracy Leslie. You got four tires. How was your tire wear? Uh, the tire wear looked good. Uh, uh, the Lysol Chevrolet were a little bit tight right now. We've been kind of fighting it since we've been here, but uh, you know, we were coming up through there. We got hung behind the 47 car on the outside and went straight to the back. So we're getting ready to go green now. Tire wear looks good on this side of pit road. Mark Krogh done for the afternoon. They have retired his automobile, so he'll become the sixth retiree as the Lycos.com 250 is back green. Dale Earnhardt Jr. quickly through the gearbox, leaves Matt Kenseth and Bessie behind. It also allows a good running start for Hornaday. He'll take the outside to grab third away from Bessie. Familiar position for Ron Hornaday Jr., known as the king of the restarts in the truck series. Hornaday Jr. battling with Joe Bessie for third. They're side by side into turns three and four. 
Side by side for the lead as well. Matt Kenseth dives underneath Dale Earnhardt Jr. He takes the top spot but washes up the track off turn four. Earnhardt settles in behind him, but Kenseth leads across the line. Earnhardt is second. They're stacked up double wide now for third, racing to turn one. Matt Kenseth still in the lead as they come off of turn two. Only half a car length over Dale Earnhardt Jr. Then it's about four car lengths back to third spot. Joe Bessie as, er as uh, Hornaday Jr. in fourth. Took a brief look to the inside. Now tucks back in the line. And right on the bumper of Hornaday Jr. is Jeff Crow. Top five cars. Oh, Bessie gets loose off of turn four. Hornaday will take third spot away. So Hornaday grabs third. Krogh will take fourth. Bessie will get back in line. Meanwhile, up closer to the front, there goes Earnhardt Jr. to the inside of Kenseth. He'll re-grab the lead, entering turn number one. And Joe, what cost Earnhardt the lead before is that he went a little bit wide out of turn number two. And that wall comes up on you very quickly. You've got to flat get off the gas and slow down and save it. That's what allowed Kenseth to get by. And now Earnhardt Jr. getting settled back in, just powered back on by Matt Kenseth to retake the lead at lap 36. Yeah, a lot of drivers were telling us that one of the good uh, things about this racetrack is if you get up out of the groove, you can save the car. It's so wide. That was the case for Dale Earnhardt Jr. He got up out of the groove, came out of the throttle just enough to catch the car, but did lose the lead at least for one lap. He's back now as he just made a power move getting back by Matt Kenseth. But Kenseth is not fading away very quickly, Eli. He's back on the move again in turn four. He's to the inside of Dale Earnhardt Jr., the black and white machine for Kenseth. Inside the blue and white colors of Earnhardt, and Kenseth goes on by. So at lap number 38, Kenseth reassumes the lead, but all of that jockeying allows everybody from third place on back to begin closing in as well. And they do close in down the back stretch here at Pikes Peak International Raceway. It'll be Kenseth in the top spot. Dale Earnhardt Jr., a very close second. Hornaday rides around in third. Jeff Crow in fourth. Coming down to complete lap 39, let's take you further back in the field. Again, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is uh, running in second to Matt Kenseth. Kenseth, the race leader. Earnhardt Jr. is second. Then Ron Hornaday rides third. Jeff Crow is fourth. Joe Bessie is fifth. Hermie Sadler now in the sixth position. Mike McLaughlin is seventh. Eighth is Elton Sawyer. And ninth is Curtis Markham. Tony Stewart runs in tenth. Randy LaJoy, eleventh. Jason Keller is twelfth. Wayne Grubb, thirteenth. Fourteenth is Phil Parsons. Fifth 15th, Tim Fidoa. 16th is Mike Dillon. 17th is Bobby Hillen. 18th, Mark Green. And 19th position now held by Glenn Allen. Jeff Purvis runs 20th. Matt Hutter now is in the 21st position. Running in 22nd is the Shane Hall car. Elliot Sadler next in line, 23rd. Brad Knopfsinger, 24th. Mike Cope is 25th. And 26th, Tracy Leslie. Then Jimmy Kitchens, Kevin Grubb, Blaze Alexander, and Andy Santer rounding out the top 30. The good scramble now is in turns three and four, where Tony Stewart's down low, but Randy LaJoy has the FINA-powered machine going to his outside. Racing for the 10th position, and Randy LaJoy will win that battle as he goes to the high side of the racetrack, holding off Tony Stewart. It has not been a picture-perfect year for Randy LaJoy. What's been the problem? It's the old saying, you know, tried and true is good, uh, which we have been tried and true. We, we, we've done the same thing we've done for three years. Uh, but the new and improved that these guys have come in with are kicking our butt. So we'll have to get better. Uh, you know, we have to start doing, you can't go to a racetrack 80% anymore. You have to go to a racetrack 100%. And you know, where we used to be able to get away with it, we're not getting away with it no more. Randy said they had a meeting after the race at Richmond last week, kind of a heart-to-heart uh, -heart meeting of sorts. Yeah, it was a meeting, all right. <laughs> and they feel like they're back on the track now, and obviously doing pretty well now, running in the 10th position at the lap at the uh, end of lap 42. What else they did was there was a big article came out in USA Today earlier this week 
talking about the fact that they've got to make some changes and Randy LaJoy said it was again an eye opener for a lot of folks and they've made more changes this week than probably all season long and right now Randy LaJoy runs 10th with problems Matt Hutter goes spinning up off the banking in turn number two and slaps the wall caution is on the speedway young Matt Hutter cashes it in up there in turn number two with a hard hit on the Stanley machine caution lap 44. We'll update you when we come back. Back at Pikes Peak International Raceway under caution for the second time today as Matt Hutter slapped the wall hard up in turn number two. He is moving about in the car. Seems to be okay, although the car is done for the day. But practically everybody makes the move down onto pit road once again. Let's check in with Marty Snyder. Matt Kenseth, Joe Bessie, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Randy LaJoy, Hermie Sadler, all these cars in. Elliot Sadler also in. Uh, right now, Joe Bessie is down and away, and also Matt Kenseth. His car was a little bit loose. They went down one round of wedge on Matt Kenseth's car. No changes for Dale Earnhardt. Tony Rizzuti. Mike McLaughlin came in, got four tires and 76 racing fuel. Also, Tim Fidoa at Barrier, also four tires. Elton Sawyer came in, they got four tires. They also went two turns down on the track bar. Elton was reporting that the car was a little bit loose. So all of the teams, with the exception of those that pitted at lap number 30, those teams all stayed out on this round of pit stops. Everybody else is in here at lap number 45. They're now tending to that uh, Stanley machine out in turn number two, as we updated. Matt Hutter moving around in the car, but he'd certainly be a great candidate for the Goodies Headache Award that's going to be voted on by the media in attendance a bit later on today. It goes to the driver who suffers the hardest luck during the running of this Lycos.com 250. The winner will receive $250 and a sample of Goodies Headache Powder and Tablets to help cure the headache and I dare say Matt's got the the old bell ding dong and right about now pretty mean lick out there in the corner it was and because of the pit stops we told you some of the drivers had come in earlier back on lap 30 here's the way the front five look now as we work caution Jeff Purvis takes over the race lead Jimmy Kitchens is second Tracy Leslie is third Andy Santier fourth and Kevin Grubb is fifth from Pikes Peak International Raceway this is MRN Radio in 2021, NASCAR returns to Nashville. June 20th, Father's Day at Nashville Super Speedway. Be there when NASCAR's best return to Music City. Seating is limited, and we want you there. Visit NashvilleSuperspeedway.com to sign up for the ticket presale for the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series event at Nashville Super Speedway. June 20th, 2021, at Nashville Super Speedway. Sign up today for the exclusive ticket presale at NashvilleSuperspeedway.com. Cleanup is still underway here at Pikes Peak International Raceway after Matt Hutter hit the wall. A real hard lick up in turn number two. Again, the car is done for the day. Looks as though Matt is okay, though he climbed from the car under his own power. And... Uh, but I'm sure a bit upset that it ended this early. Yeah, they were running fairly well. He was, again, uh, one of those young drivers who had no experience on so many of these tracks this year. And here again at Pikes Peak, it is a situation where nobody has any experience. Even Tony Stewart, who won the uh, Pep Boys Indy Racing League event here last season, uh, says, yeah, I've got experience, but it's a different, totally different animal. And, uh, you know, he was excited about being here, but... Uh, you know, it was a weekend where even he said, I don't know how much my experience pays off. Everybody was asking that question, including me. With all the races that, that we have, the, the IRL runs and the Bush cars run, none of the tracks that we go to can use anything that, you know, as far as for the Bush car that you learn with the IRL car. And we can't take anything that we learn with the Bush car and help with the IRL. But, uh, you know, the only thing that you can learn is the layout of the track. And 
but the, at the same time, I mean, we don't even run the same lines. So, um, you know, I wish I could say it helped down a bunch, but, uh, you know, I guess all I, all I know when I come to the bush races, I know where the good places to eat are. That's about the only advantage I've got. <laughs> he said finding the good restaurants and uh, knowing how to get in and out of the racetrack. That's about what uh, he could attribute to that last race here. Nevertheless, the man's awfully talented, and Tony Stewart uh, will be a factor here today. Right now he's in 23rd, but again, a lot of the teams pitted early, and uh, he did not, so that's why he's back in the field. We continue cleanup in turn number two. A chance for us to remind you that next Sunday, MRN Radio will be at the Pocono Raceway in Pennsylvania. The Pocono 500, airtime 12.45 Eastern. That is next Sunday. Coverage from the Poconos begins on Friday. Bud Pole qualifying starting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time. Our sister network, the NASCAR Truck Network, will be at the Bristol Motor Speedway in Tennessee next Saturday. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series will be running the Load Handler 200. Airtime is 6.45 p.m. Eastern time. Hope you can make your plans to be at either of those race tracks in person. If not, tune in. Winston Cup Racing on Sunday and the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series going on Saturday over on the NASCAR Truck Network. We told you at the beginning of the broadcast that things had been clean all weekend. There hadn't been a single on-track incident since Thursday, the optional test day, when the cars moved in. So the no theory, sooner did you say yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> then suddenly cautions fly, and uh, two times today already. The first one on lap 29 when Mark Crow hit the wall in turn four, and now here on lap 43, Matt Hunter hits the wall in turn two. Seven cars are in the garage. Rick Corelli, Johnny Chapman, Alan Russell, Doug Taylor, Perry Tripp, Mark Crow, and Matt Hutter. Meanwhile, as the teams are coming to green, the hood is up on the Shane Hall car down on the pit lane. We'll update that story shortly. Green is in the air from Carl Simmons and Jeff Purvis with Alabama's Jimmy Kitchens in tow. Takeoff to turn number two. Here comes Tracy Leslie in the Lysol colors, closing it in, in third. Top five cars, single file coming off of turn two. Curtis, or excuse me, Jeff Purvis showing the way down the back stretch. Jimmy Kitchens in second, Tracy Leslie in third, Andy Sant uh, Santerre in fourth, single file, nobody. Stepping out of line. As they come off turn number four, front five cars, nose to tail. Further back, Buckshot Jones makes a move. He was one of those who came in on the earlier pit stop, so he wasn't that far out when they came back to the green this time. He dives down on the inside to pick up the position there on Stanton Barrett. And this is height of Jeff Fuller as well. Buckshot Jones coming off of turn two, bringing Elliott Sadler with him. Sadler in the Phillips 66 Chevrolet right on the rear bumper now of Buckshot Jones as they dive nose to tail into turn three. Jeff Fuller working on the low side of the racetrack as Mark Day makes another unscheduled pit stop. Up front, Purvis continues to lead. The front three pulling away by about six car lanes now on Kevin Grubb and Andy Santer. They're fourth and fifth, and with fresh tires, everybody running down low again except those double file by design. Leader coming down the back stretch. Purvis still in the lead. Jimmy Kitchens in second. About a car length now in front of Tracy Leslie in third. Buckshot Jones gets to the inside of Stanton Barrett. Takes that position away and now Buckshot sets his sights on Andy Santer. And there is a long freight train beginning to form back near the rear of the field. Those drivers who were leading early on this afternoon led by Dale Earnhardt Jr. All the way back up to ninth already. Earnhardt Jr. is there in ninth. Matt Kenseth behind him in tenth. Eleventh is Ron Hornaday in twelfth now Mike McLaughlin making their way through traffic. Dale Earnhardt Jr. in ninth will keep an eye on him down the back stretch as he begins to reel in Elliott Sadler and Stanton Barrett. Sadler and Barrett having their own battle right in front of Dale Earnhardt Jr. coming off a of turn four. Meanwhile, Tony Stewart and Curtis Markham banging off one another as though this were the last lap of a Daytona 500. They all settle out now single file except Stewart gets himself caught in the middle and has to lose yet some more position.
distance as he tries to nudge his way inside of Hermie Sadler and find some running room in turn two. They were three wide just for a moment there in turns one and two. Stewart, Sadler, and another automobile, and Hermie Sadler had to back off or else he would have found the wall. Now Tony Stewart to the inside of Patty Moise. Tony Stewart on the move. Stewart makes the move down to the inside of Patty Moise, gains him the 22nd position, but it is pretty interesting to watch Eli coming off turn four, three wide racing, and it's working. It is working, and nobody really felt that there would be that much running room here. Now, we should mention that yesterday, the NASCAR Remax Challenge Series ran here. That's the ArtGo Series that merged with uh, some of the ASA events throughout the Midwest and so on. And they have been running side by side, but on different types of tires yesterday. There also are Super Modifieds that have done some running here and have a race later on this afternoon. So between what we came here with on Thursday and what we're seeing now, mid-afternoon on Sunday, the track really has matured as far as a wider racing surface is concerned. Blaze Alexander off the pace. Jeff Purvis continues to lead. Let's go to pit road. Matt Hutter, first of all, you all right? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. What happened out there? Uh, I guess I uh, had a car underneath me, and I just wasn't aware of it. Just got turned around there. It's a shame because, uh, you know, we've been getting the Stanley Pontiac running better here these past few races, and uh, we just don't have the results to show for it because of stuff like this, but uh, we're, we're heading the right direction and we're going to get it. The rear end completely caved in on the Stanley Pontiac. Also to follow up on the tire situation from those last pit stops, when the leader stopped, the tire wear was a little bit better, but there were still some isolated blistered tires. Tony Stewart had a blistered right rear, just as an example. Completing lap 58 of the Lycos.com 250. It is Jeff Purvis by a second out in front of Jimmy Kitchens. Tracy Leslie is third. Buckshot Jones fourth. And Kevin Grubb runs fifth. In 2021, NASCAR returns to Nashville. June 20th, Father's Day at Nashville Super Speedway. Be there when NASCAR's best return to Music City. Seating is limited, and we want you there. Visit NashvilleSuperspeedway.com to sign up for the ticket presale for the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series event at Nashville Super Speedway. June 20th, 2021 at Nashville Super Speedway. Sign up today for the exclusive ticket presale at NashvilleSuperspeedway.com. Jeff Purvis continues to lead here at Pikes Peak International Raceway, but Dale Earnhardt Jr. is charging. Jimmy Kitchens almost loses control in turn four. The car slipped, nearly swapped ends. He gathered it back in, but loses about eight positions. Purvis has about a second and a half on Tracy Leslie. The man on the move now is Buckshot Jones. Buckshot Jones, remember, he has got a win on the flat track at Milwaukee. He's won on the flat track of New Hampshire. And all of a sudden, here on the flat track at Pikes Peak, he is the quickest car on the racetrack. He is now closing in on second place, Tracy Leslie. Last time by, he was two-tenths of a second faster than the race leader, Jeff Purvis. So he's making his way to the front, Buckshot Jones is. Let's get an update from down in his pit area. Well, this is the same car they had at Dover last week and the car ran really well there. Ricky Pearson, the car's running really good. What's Buckshot said? Uh, we're just a little tight right now from the center off. Uh, that's something we can, you know, pretty easy adjust on. But, you know, uh, they had a vibration to start with. They had just a little bit of a tire problem. Uh, so we got them off, so now he's pretty comfortable. A little bit of a tire problem early on for Buckshot, but Ricky told me yesterday they worked on long runs starting Thursday when they got here. They wanted to work on race setup and being good on these long green flag runs that everybody's anticipating here at Pikes Peak. 
Ricky Pearson, of course, the crew chief on that operation for Buckshot Jones. They're planning to run a NASCAR Winston Cup competition. Next week, they'll have a car entered at Pocono, Pennsylvania. Buckshot continues to close in on Tracy Leslie, while Shane Hall has had a series of problems on pit road. Tony Rizzuti, what's the story there? Well, let's ask crew chief Steve Addington. Steve, what's been the problem with the car? We had a brake line. It's, it's got a little pinhole in it on the return line. He's losing the brake pedal. We got it clamped off. We're going to try to plug it and try to get some of his laps back. And at a fast track like this, that's not what you want. Also in for a third time, Blaze Alexander. He's had a horrible day today. He's had some blistering of the right rear, and now he's having a clutch problem. Tough day for Blaze Alexander. Jeff Purvis leads the battle for second. A good one as Leslie has been caught by Buckshot Jones. Tracy running a wider line off the corner than his Buckshot. And that Dan Hubbard's where he's making up his move. He's out handling the guys in the corner. Lap after lap, Buckshot Jones has been reeling in Tracy Leslie. And now Buckshot Jones way down low in turns three and four. Really closes the gap between himself and second place. Smokes the tires coming off turn four. Buckshot does trying to get a run at Tracy Leslie. Could not quite accomplish that. Behind them, though, a change for position. Dale Earnhardt Jr. finally sweeps to the inside of Kevin Grubb, grabs that spot. Now Matt Kenseth on the move there off turn two. Kenseth to the inside of Kevin Grubb. He'll have a good run on him down the back stretch. Speaking of good runs, here comes Buckshot Jones to the inside of Tracy Leslie. This will be the fight for second between Chevrolet and Pontiac. They're door to door off of turn four. Leslie all the way out of the groove, goes way high, opens the inside. Buckshot Jones second, Leslie is third. Earnhardt Jr. now solidly in fourth. Grubb is fifth. He's got Kenseth closing in in sixth. And seventh now is Elliott Sadler, who did the tire test for Goodyear back here in April. Those six teams now are the ones everybody's watching, while Hornaday and Mike McLaughlin begin to mix it up heading to turn three. They're having a good battle down the back stretch. It is Hornaday just in front of McLaughlin. McLaughlin working in that middle groove, still not able to set him up, set himself up for a pass on Ron Hornaday. That's a race going on for the eighth position. It settles down, coming off turn four. Farther back, Joe Bessie trying to come to the front of the field. He's working on Phil Parsons now. That would be the battle for the 14th position. Nose to tail. They work off to turn two. Joe Bessie riding that lower line to the inside of turn one and two as Parsons hangs the tail out on the exit of turn two. Now you can throw Tony Stewart in that mix as they're all nose to tail down the back stretch. It is Stewart just in front of Parsons. Bessie nudges Parsons into turn three, loosens him up just a bit, but Parsons holds the position off of turn four. Another good scramble is for 11th coming out of turn number four. Randy LaJoy. He's in 12th, wants 11th. That's held by Santer. Andy Santer goes wide. LaJoy stays low. So LaJoy is in 11th, though Santer comes battling back just ahead of Tony Stewart on the other battle that was talked about moments ago. Andy Santer is not done with Randy LaJoy yet in the Phoenix Chevrolet. Now uh, LaJoy able to pull out just a bit of a gap as Tony Stewart got Santer loose in the turns three and four. It'll be Santer and Stewart battling it out toward the strike. Going on for 13th position here, this battle between Andy Santer and Tony Stewart. Stewart had the line up in turn number three but couldn't quite capitalize. Let's see what he does going into turn one. Tony Stewart to the inside of turns one and two. This allows Randy LaJoy, by the way, to pull away as Santer and Stewart side by side off of turn two. The drag race is on down the back stretch. Tony Stewart takes the position away. He had the better line into turn three. Santer tries to get back in line just ahead of Phil Parsons, but again, Santer drifts wide. Phil Parsons stays low, and Phil will grab that position as they head back off into the corner. But all the while, the lead is still held by Jeff Purvis but charging and closing every bit every lap is the man on the move Buckshot Jones now just seven tenths of a second behind. 
Dale Earnhardt Jr. has advanced. He got by the Kevin Grubb car. Now he's up in third. And the race for the lead, as we figured would happen, has tightened up considerably. Buckshot Jones just a couple of car lengths off the rear deck of Jeff Purvis. Not yet, though, making his move. We told you Jason Keller had gone to the garage. Tony Rizzuti, what's the problem there? Well, real tough break for Jason Keller. Jason, what seems to be the problem? Something in the fuel pump. I don't know. You know, we battled our way up there around the top ten and uh, just trying to, uh, you know, get to the end. But uh, that's the way it goes. We're looking for sponsors, so we need to get out there and do as much as we can. Jason now firing up the motor. They've got the repair done, and he'll go back out on the track. Meanwhile, Elliot Sadler has problems, as does brother Hermie Sadler. Hermie was in for an unscheduled stop at lap 78, and then Elliot slowed drastically on the back straightaway. And as he made his way towards the pits, we could see giant chucks of Goodyear Racing Eagles coming off. Meanwhile, up front, the battle for the lead. Purvis stuck behind Blaze Alexander. The inside opens for Buckshot Jones. Buckshot Jones, the new leader, as he works off turn number two. Let's go down to pit road and cover the Sadler story. Well, Hermie Sadler came in, and it's the first time we've seen a right front tire break up and this right front tire not only started to blister but it started to shred it's all the way down to the cords when Hermie Sadler came in on lap 78 and they were also tight they decided to make an adjustment at that point they put one round of wedge into the left rear of the race car same problem for his brother Elliot Sadler also a tire problem for those guys and we've got trouble up in turn four two cars are in the wall Curtis Markham one of those involved on the outside it is the machine of Tim Fidewa and that uh, Fidoa still sits up against the outside retaining wall. Markham refires his car and drives away, but it will bring the caution flag out for the third time this afternoon. Tim so Fidoa with a pretty hard hit up there. It was a pretty hard hit. Backed in and crunched the left rear of his automobile, but it looks as though he's just waiting for traffic to get by, and he still has the car rolling, so he'll come off the high side. Joe Bessie now also coming through the infield. He obviously got a piece of, if not that incident, then one other, because there's a good bit of smoke coming from behind the power team entry, so his Chevrolet limping in and around. So again, Tim Fidoa, Joe Bessie, and the third car involved in the accident finding themselves all caught up in the corner. Tough break right there as we are under caution at lap number 84. We're talking about the tire wear, how that would play out. The drivers who are having problems, Hermes Sadler and also the Elliott Sadler car, they came in back on lap 30. So it's been about 54 laps since that time. So maybe this is a gauge we can work by later in the day. Joining us here in the booth now, Jim uh, Honyanscheid. Uh, let me give it a shot. Hohenscheid. Hohenscheid from Lycos.com, the sponsor of today's race. I'm sorry for slaughtering your name. I'll look it up on the Internet and find out more about it, though. For us who deal on the Internet quite a bit, we know what Lycos.com is. For those who don't, explain, please. Lycos started off as a search and navigation point on the web. People would come to us to try to find information throughout all the websites that are on the Internet. So when you come to Lycos.com, and put in a, a term like NASCAR, we give all the pages back on the internet that uh, that, that are open to users to, uh, to browse. And of course, for fans looking for racing news, whether it be NASCAR.com or MRNnet.com, this is a good way to find us. Absolutely. What else does Lycos do as far as the racing fan? We obviously know you're sponsoring here. You've got Matt Kenseth's involvement. Why did you decide to take a search engine and promote it through motorsports? Well, we knew that the, uh, the NASCAR fans are tremendously loyal. And uh, not only that appealed to us, but also that we could take our technology and uh, provide back to the race fans. So we have a nice site that's uh, built around Matt Kenseth and the number 17 Lyco Chevrolet. 
We're also working with other companies to provide access points for when fans aren't at the race or can't listen to MRN, they can come on to Lycos and experience a race that they've never experienced before. Well, Jim, it's great having you guys here today and involved. We're watching a lot of the teams that, unfortunately, are not having a great day right now. But your driver, Matt Kenseth, still very much in the hunt, running in the top 15. So all the best to him and continued success to Lycos. And you remember the address, folks, Lycos.com. If you want to find something on the Internet, that's the place you need to start. Good to see you. Thank you very much. That's Jim Hohenscheid, Director of Brand Marketing for Lycos.com. Let's go to the garage area. Down on pit road, let's check in with the Marty Snyder. Well, this was a costly stop for one Matt Kenseth who sat on the pole. He came in, and as he was coming in, Joe Bessie, who was involved in that wreck, was trying to pull out of his pits. Matt missed his pit stall. The team had to push the car back because that Joe Bessie car was in the way. They made a four-tire change on Matt Kenseth's car, and his car was a little bit tight, so they made an adjustment, but it was a costly over 30-second stop for Matt Kenseth. Bobby Hillen is also in. They were under the hood on that car. Bobby just signing a new sponsorship agreement uh, on uh, Friday of this weekend with Clean Shower. It's the Clean Shower Mac Attack team there. We'll get a report on that situation in a moment. From Pikes Peak International Raceway, this is MRN Radio. At Pikes Peak International Raceway, working caution for the third time today. This one when Tim Fidoa and Curtis Markham got together and crashed up in turn three. Cleanup continues there at this time. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification on MRN Radio, the voice of NASCAR racing. A number of things have been happening down along the pit lane since this caution came out. Let's go down for a recap. First, we mentioned Bobby Hillen having some problems. They've since taken his car behind the wall. Tony Rizzuti, what's the story? Well, Joe, this was the debut of the clean shower sponsorship for Bobby Hillen. And, Bobby, I know this is, isn't the way you wanted to end it. No, I'm really disappointed for this team. I'm disappointed for clean shower, Chevrolet, and hard housing. Um, we had a tremendously fast race car today. We've had one all week long. We were coming to the front. We broke something, either a clutch or rear end or something. I'm not sure. I think it's a clutch. Uh, it's a shame we were just running. We had such a good shot at this thing today. But we got a real good bunch of guys, and they're working hard, and um, we're going to come back. That's Bobby Hillen. An update on Mark Day. His engine experienced a miss. They're not sure what it was. They decided just to park it field getting the one to go signal another driver involved in the uh, problems moments ago was Scarborough Maine's Joe Bessie and remember we had talked earlier on the day about how well he has run on the flat tracks remember he had a superb run at New Hampshire he's run well at Milwaukee and right now his power team Monte Carlo is behind the wall and Marty Schneider I know they were really excited as we talked to Joe at the outset of the broadcast today but uh, they've got a lot of work to do to even get back out onto the track and clearly his chances for winning are done. Well the damage is mainly to the right front they should be able to get the car back in they're replacing the spring and the shock combination right now. First thing Joe did when he got out of the car was went to apologize to Robbie Reiser who is the car owner for Matt Kenseth and Joe what happened out there on the racetrack? Just uh, blew a tire going just as the yellow was coming out and for a car in trouble in turn four we went down in turn one blew the right front. Joe uh, will be able to get back in the race, and we mentioned he apologized to Robbie Reiser because they pulled out in front of Matt Kenseth just as he was coming into the pits, which cost Matt a whole lot of time on the racetrack. Gives us 12 cars in the garage as we go back under the green flag on lap number 90. Buckshot Jones shows the way. Hermie Sather works to his inside, trying to get a lap back. They're side-by-side, side, racing into the corner. Just behind them, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Mike McLaughlin, and Elton Sawyer. We documented earlier that Buckshot Jones was the fastest car on the racetrack. We'll see if Dale Earnhardt Jr. in second has anything 
for him. Right now, Buckshot Jones gets around that lapped automobile of Hermie Sadler, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. is getting clogged up in the slower traffic. Buckshot Jones is pulling away down the front stretch. Earnhardt Jr. trying to power to the outside of Mike McLaughlin under very, very overcast skies. It had been a beautifully clear day earlier. We now have some major league clouds moving in off turn number four. A lot of the teams looking skyward as well as they are watching the action on the racetrack. We're still a goodly distance shy of halfway. The leader is in turn three. Here comes Buckshot Jones into turn three, but the battle is on for second between Mike McLaughlin and Dale Earnhardt Jr. They're nose to tail off of turn four. Here they come off the corner. Good lead for Buckshot Jones now as he comes down to the line. Further back, you've got Mike McLaughlin, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Elton Sawyer, and Tony Stewart just made a three-wide move getting by some traffic. Now he's closing in on Sawyer. Coming down out of turn two. Here comes Dale Earnhardt Jr. rubbing the bumper of Mike McLaughlin. Meanwhile, Buckshot Jones some 10 car lengths ahead of second spot into turn three. The field pours in. Mike McLaughlin, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and Elton Sawyer. Nose to tail. Very close battling from second back to fourth out of turn four. It's a great battle right now as they come off turn number four. Earnhardt Jr. still trying to find his way through. Here goes McLaughlin to the inside now. He'll try and work off against the Elton Sawyer automobile there. It leaves Earnhardt Jr. to follow in his tire tracks through turn two. Earnhardt Jr. swings out wide out of turn two. Tried that middle groove through those early turns, but Mike McLaughlin shut the door on him. Down the back stretch and into turn three. It's still McLaughlin riding in second. Dale Earnhardt Jr. in third. Elton Sawyer in fourth. Up front, though, Buckshot Jones had a, has a second and a half lead on that battle for a second now. Mike McLaughlin and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Couple of lap cars. The Sadler brothers separates first and second. Here they come off a of turn two. Now Buckshot Jones jumped on that restart. Has built up quite a lead but now seems to be backing off just a bit. Perhaps he's preserving the car, preserving the tires. Again the Sadler brothers are sandwiched in between first and second spot. Second is still Mike McLaughlin. If you're a Jason Keller fan, he's back on the racetrack after the fuel pump problems. He is now 20 laps down but nevertheless the Greenville South Carolina natives out there battling. Good scramble on the racetrack now. Mark Green and Kevin Grubb. They're side by side for ninth with Grubb holding the inside groove in turn two. Grubb holding it way down low in turns one and two and they come off of turn two down the back stretch. It is Mark Green still at his right elbow continuing to be side by side all the way from turn two into turn three. Now Green has to let go as he couldn't hang on to that outside groove in turn three. Several good side by side battles back in the field. A couple of three wide battles from time to time. We complete lap 96. It's taking through the field. Buckshot Jones is the leader of the race. Again, he has a 1.4 second lead on Mike McLaughlin, who's still trying to clear traffic. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is third. Fourth is Elton Sawyer. Tony Stewart up to fifth now with Randy LaJoy sixth. Phil Parsons is seventh. Wayne Grubb is eighth. Ninth is Kevin Grubb and tenth Mark Green. Eleventh is Matt Kenseth. Jeff Purvis is twelfth. Thirteenth Mike Cope. Glenn Allen is fourteenth. Fifteenth Brad Dossinger. Sixteenth is Mike Dillon. Ron Hornaday seventeenth. Eighteenth Jeff Grove, 19th Kevin Schwantz, and 20th is Curtis Markham. He just grabbed 20th from Ed Barrier, who's now in 21st. Stanton Barrett, who's driving for Kevin LePage today, he's in 22nd. Patty Moise, 23rd. Jimmy Kitchens, 24th. Jeff Fuller, 25th. Last car on the lead lap, 26th place, Andy Santer. As a follow-up to some of the tire wear we're seeing today, a story we started talking about as we signed on the air, NASCAR has now decided to give the teams yet another set of Goodyear Racing Eagles. The tire rule for the day was three sets of tires or three tires per position on the race car. NASCAR now says Goodyear has enough tire on hand. Let's give out some more sets of tires. And that process underway right now as Buckshot Jones leads. We're 27 laps shy of halfway.
Welcome back to MRN Radio and our live coverage of the first ever NASCAR Busch Series race in the state of Colorado. Today here at the beautiful Pikes Peak International Raceway, Joe Moore and Eli Gold here in the booth, Marty Snyder and Tony Rizzuti covering things for us down along the pit lane, and Dan Hubbard out in turn number three covering action on the back straightaway. We've completed 104 laps so far, four different lead changes among four different drivers. For now, it is Buckshot Jones showing the way. Later on in today's race broadcast, the MRN Radio Pit Reporters will select the winner of the Wagner Brake Super Crew Award, the pit crew that reserves, receives the most nominations for teamwork and performance to advance their driver's position during today's race, will receive $500 from Wagner Brakes. And we'll be voting upon that at the conclusion of the event. We're 105 laps in. 125 makes up the halfway point in the Lycos.com 250. Buckshot Jones took the lead at lap number 82 and has led to this point, lap 106. He's in the same car which he drove at Dover and at Las Vegas where he finished in eighth place in both of those locales. So Buckshot Jones running well. Good solid second place run now for Mike McLaughlin. Problem is Mike is two seconds behind Buckshot. That's the kind of pace that Jones has been setting. I think I'm most impressed today by Tony Stewart and probably Randy LaJoy. And you know, I guess it's strange to be impressed by a two-time series champion. But in light of all that they have gone through this year, Randy is a solid sixth and uh, working his way to the front. Tony Stewart, of course, uh, with some experience here, as he told us earlier, it did really translate to the NASCAR Busch Series car, but he's been good all year. That team has been good all year. They won earlier at Darlington when Bobby Labonte subbed for Tony Stewart. Today they started 11th and now running up at the fourth position for Randy LaJoy. He qualified quite well in the top 10. Now he's shown in the sixth position. But Randy LaJoy's teammate's not doing very well. Tony Rizzuti, he's back in the garage. No, a battered Kleenex Chevrolet at Tim Fidoa. Tim, what happened? Well, we just, you know, got hit. Pretty obvious 64 car. I mean, I gave him a lot of room. He hit me about three times. I guess I should have known, you know. Uh, I was giving him a lot of room. We were just cruising around trying to, you know, we were catching the pack. And uh, I don't know, man. you think he'd be trying to bring home a good finish just filling in, but I guess I don't know what. It's just uh, unfortunate for the Kleenex Chevrolet. Well, the good news in this is that Tim Fidoa is okay. And also, Eli, we talked earlier in the race about the cycling of tires, which is scrubbing them in and then cooling them off. I noticed several teams with hoses watering down their tires, trying to cool them down to get that cycle going even quicker. And we'll keep an eye on that as the afternoon continues. A lot of position changes on the racetrack with Elton Sawyer now third. Tony Stewart is running fourth. Matt Kenseth is now running fifth. Dale Earnhardt Jr. not having a good couple of laps now. He'll lose sixth to, to Randy LaJoy, and he's about to lose seventh, Earnhardt is, to Phil Parsons. That's right, Eli. Dale Earnhardt Jr. going in the wrong direction. LaJoy passed him easily to the inside. So, too, now is Phil Parsons as he draws up alongside Dale Earnhardt Jr. They're headed toward the strike. We'll check in Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s pit in a few moments and find out what the situation is there. He has lost five positions in the last three laps, although things pretty happy in his camp. He just re-signed with his dad for five more years, driving for Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. And, of course, there are long-range plans eventually to make it to NASCAR Winston Cup Racing. He's been a quick study this year in the NASCAR Busch Series. Bet you his daddy gave him a big old allowance on that five-year deal. <laughs> yeah, no said, doubt about that. He said next year they were going to start paying him. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. We're at lap 112, 13 miles from 
from halfway. Don't forget the Gatorade Front Runner Award. $2,000 to the leader of this race at halfway among those drivers participating in the Gatorade Front Runner Award program. That comes up at lap number 125. The leader, Buckshot Jones, on the pit lane. Andy Santerre moments ago made an unscheduled stop at lap number 110. Tell you, Buckshot Jones, once he got himself to the front at lap 82, he's just checking out. And he started back in 25th today. Yep. That first segment of the race, before we had the first caution on lap 29, he was just kind of floundering around, kind of like last week at Richmond. They just could not get out of their own way. Obviously, the adjustments they made during that pit stop have been positive ones, and it's really moved him up to the front. He took over the lead back uh, on lap 82, and has been there ever since here at lap 113. Still maintains a 2.3-second lead over Mike McLaughlin. Problems for Dale Earnhardt Jr. continuing. He'll lose a position to Elliott Sadler. He's about to be bypassed for ninth by Kevin Grubb. Let's check in with Tony Urey and the boys down on pit road. Well, Tony Urey Sr. said it's just a matter of the fact that the tires are simply worn out. They pitted last on lap 45, and that's, you know, some 60-some laps ago, so they have not just got good tires on Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s car, and that's the reason he's fallen back. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was an earlier leader this afternoon, but now has fallen back to the eighth position. Kevin Schwantz heads down the pit lane. They changed the color on that car this week. It was black before. They changed it to green, which is usually bad luck for a race car. But he said, hey, we've had the worst luck you could possibly have. How could this hurt anymore? Right now he's running in 26th position of the 32 teams still on the racetrack. This event has been slowed three times by caution. 11 drivers current in the garage, 10 laps shy of halfway, Buckshot Jones leads here at Pikes Peak International Raceway. You think about your car a lot. You have grease under your fingernails. You can name all the pro drivers and the cars they drive. You know rebuilding a four-barrel isn't easy. It's fun. And you always make sure your car looks sharp. So get Black Magic Wet Tire Dressing, just $2.99 at True Value. The 23-ounce trigger spray bottle works on tires, dashboards, vinyls, and rubber trim. And it's only $2.99 at True Value, official hardware store of NASCAR. Here's a touchy subject. Your home is full of germy hotspots. It could be enough to make your family sick. Enter Lysol Disinfectant Spray. Nothing kills more harmful bacteria and viruses in your home. Just a quick spray helps get everything under control. Lysol Spray helps protect. You have our word on it. Look for the money-saving coupon in this Sunday's paper. Back at Pikes Peak International Raceway, continuing to uh, see some darkening in the skies, a big heavy cloud moving in from the rear of us. We are approaching the halfway point of the race, now 118 laps in to the Lycos.com 250. From Pikes Peak International Raceway, this is MRN Radio. Closing in on the halfway mark in today's Lycos.com 250 is Elliot Sadler, who's had tire problems earlier this afternoon, comes back down along the pit lane. He had already lost a lap from an earlier stop, and once again comes in to make his stop. Blaze Alexander also coming in as Buckshot Jones seems to be flawless. Eli, he's up to a 3.8-second lead over Mike McLaughlin. Over a solid Mike McLaughlin, who's not running all that poorly. You talk about the competitive nature of the NASCAR Bush Series. You've got a Pontiac leading a Chevrolet with Elton Sawyer in a Ford 
Kendrick running in third. Best battle on the racetrack now is Tony Stewart and Matt Kenseth. They're on the back straightaway battling for fourth and fifth. They come off a of turn two side by side. It'll be Kenseth to the inside. He's been absolutely awesome the last couple of laps, picking off position by position, and he's still side by side with Tony Stewart headed to the strike. And it's not just those two in that battle. Randy LaJoy is there as well, along with Phil Parsons. So four dueling side by side at the front of that particular pack, though, for the fourth spot still, it's Kenseth to the inside of Tony Stewart. I guess that second groove has now worked itself in because that's the groove that Tony Stewart is using. Down the back stretch they come. It's still Kenseth and Stewart side by side with Randy LaJoy having the best seat of all right behind them. Now Stewart squirts forward to the outside in turn four. Matt Kenseth comes back. They're in a dead heat headed for the strike. Meanwhile, Mark Green goes by Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jeff Purvis goes by Dale Earnhardt Jr. Ron Hornaday Jr. is about to go by Dale Earnhardt Jr. And that's now meaning the number three car, Little Earnhardt, all the way back to the 11th spot. The leaders will be coming towards the start-finish line and the halfway point in the Lycos.com 250, the Gatorade Front Runner Award, $2,000 going to Buckshot Jones of Monticello, Georgia, as we have gotten to the Hallelujah Lap here at Pikes Peak. And I say that because there's rain all around this racetrack. There's lightning flashing out behind turn number three. Everybody's been racing the track themselves and Mother Nature here, and this is now an official race. Racing for the fifth spot, side by side. It's in turn three. Here they come into turn three between Randy LaJoy and Tony Stewart. LaJoy will take that position away. Kenseth is riding around in fourth on a bold move to the exit of turn four. Slam the door on Tony Stewart. So we work now just past the halfway point of this Lycos.com 250. Let's bring you up to speed. Buckshot Jones is the race leader. He leads of those who are on the lead lap. A grand total of 17 right now on the lead lap. Mike McLaughlin second. Elton Sawyer third. Matt Kenseth fourth. Randy LaJoy is fifth. Tony Stewart is sixth. Phil Parsons runs seventh. Mark Green is eighth. Jeff Purvis ninth. Ron Hornaday is tenth. Dale Earnhardt Jr. now is eleventh. Mike Dillon goes twelfth. Mike Cope is thirteenth. Fourteenth is Glenn Allen. Brad Nofsinger is fifteenth. Curtis Markham sixteenth. Seventeenth is Jeff Probe. A couple of others also still on the lead lap. 18th is Stanton Barrett. Kevin Grubb is 19th. And Patty Moise running in 20th. In the garage area, Rick Corelli, Johnny Chapman, Alan Russell, and Doug Taylor all gone to the garage early. Perry Tripp with engine failure. Mark Krogh and Matt Hutter involved in an accident. They're done for the day. Mark Day out with engine failure. Joe Bessie was in an accident. Bobby Hillen with engine problems and an accident for Tim Fidoa ending his day. We have had three caution flags here thus far as we are just past the halfway point of the Lycos.com 250 here at Pikes Peak, Colorado. This mid-race update has been brought to you by Chase Authentics, the official trackside apparel of NASCAR. Now you can wear the same NASCAR shirts, caps, and jackets that are worn by Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, Bobby Labonte, Rusty Wallace, Terry Labonte, and Dale Jarrett. Chase Authentics at NASCAR specialty and department stores everywhere. Now back to the race where the chase is on. Six lead changes. We are having an average speed right now, a solid 126 miles an hour, which again is an uncharted number as far as NASCAR Bush Series racing is concerned. This being the very first race of its type here at Pikes Peak International Raceway. Beautiful racetrack. Lex Dudas and the crew doing a super job here. It's located very uh, strategically just off Interstate 25. And of course, everybody had a chance yesterday or dating back to Wednesday or Thursday when everybody arrived out here to go up to the top of Pikes Peak where they annually hold the Pikes Peak Hill Climb on July the 4th. And up there around 14,000 feet, the air gets thin. 
Joe acted dizzy, but then again, that <laughs> happens at sea level also. But it really was quite a climb up to the hills, wasn't it? And we saw some of the NASCAR fraternity up there. As a matter of fact, on the way back down, there was no doubt that the uh, DeWalt team had been there because etched in the side of one of the snow banks was BGN number 29. Hermie Sadler, of course, the driver of that car, and uh, they're having a pretty good afternoon here today. Hermie now running back in the 24th position. We've completed 131 laps of uh, the 250 in this event. It's Buckshot Jones by a whopping 4.5 seconds over Mike McLaughlin, Matt Kenseth, Randy LaJoy, and Elton Sawyer. The lead is still a big one for Buckshot Jones. Three and a half seconds over Mike McLaughlin. Randy LaJoy now rides in the third spot. Matt Kenseth is fourth. That's been a spirited battle for the last few laps and still is. In fifth now, Phil Parsons. Several stories developing down along the pit lane. Let's check in first with Tony Rizzuti. Well, Elton Sawyer should be named the Colorado Gambler. He is just hanging on for dear life on this car. They're on at least 90 lap old tires, but they feel like the rain is coming. So they want, don't want to give up the track position by coming in. Now down to Marty Snyder. That's the story for a lot of people. The rain is coming, so they don't want to come in and pit. Although we should be pitting right about now. We're at about 90 laps on this run. Most teams didn't want to go past 70 laps. The fuel window is at about 110 laps, so they'll have to come in and sometime within the next 20 laps. Randy LaJoy has been on the move of late, and he is loose getting into the turns, but the car is very fast. Also, Matt Kenseth. Robbie Reiser said this is the best the car has been all day long. He came out 15th on the last restart. Matt right now running fourth. 20 cars on the lead lap still with Jeff Fuller being the last one. You know, you got to be a bit of a gambler in this business. And if somebody can stay out there hanging on to those tires and hoping that the rain hits, well, that could pay off for them, obviously, over the course of the afternoon. Could pay off in the form of the cool move of the race award. We'll vote on later in the broadcast today. Our broad MRN radio team will select the winner of the Luxair Cool Move of the Race Award to the driver who makes the coolest move during the heat of the race. And the driver with the most votes will earn $500 from Luxair Heating and Air Conditioning. We had talked before the break about the vibration and all the problems that Dale Earnhardt Jr. was reporting before. Very unique racetrack with 10 degrees of banking, which is virtually nothing, but just enough to be, I guess, a bit of a nuisance as far as setup is concerned. The brunt of the effect of the tire wear is on the right side, the right front, the right rear. And the left rear, and it sounds, left front rather, it sounds funny, but it's really almost not doing anything. It's just kind of there, kind of scrubbing its way across the racetrack. And a lot of the drivers in practice were saying that as their car slides just a bit and the right side tires begin to, whether it's chunk or blister or what have you, the left front is picking up because it's hot, picking up those little pieces of rubber off the racetrack. And for whatever reason, they're saying here at this track, more than most any, the cars really begin to vibrate because of those rubber pieces adhering to the left front tire. They say you get it other places, certainly, but they really feel it here at Pikes Peak. Robbie Reiser was telling me on Matt Kenseth's car, they did some long runs yesterday in practice, and they found that to be the case many times. The vibration would last for several laps. The driver would maybe panic, thinking something was wrong, and two or three laps later, that rubber falls off. They're okay yet again. Maybe some of what we're seeing here at this stage of the race. Right now, we're seeing a great battle for second, though. Side by side, Randy LaJoy dives to the inside of Mike McLaughlin in turn four. It's a good one as they come off the corner. Here's LaJoy staying down low. McLaughlin tries to battle back to the high side. They're closing in on the lapped machine of Hermie Sadler as well. But it's LaJoy who works down low, grabs the spot. Randy LaJoy, three and a half seconds back, but he's now in second here at Pikes Peak. He's on the back stretch. It is clear that Randy LaJoy is better on the 
these long runs. He's going through the turns very, very solid indeed, while everyone else is tippy-toeing around turns three and four, caressing the car, getting around the corners very gingerly. So Randy LaJoy, solid now in second spot. He's got second. Mike McLaughlin falls to third, about to be challenged there by Matt Kenseth. Kenseth had a run to the inside off turn four. Now looks to the outside in turn two. They are side by side, coming off the turn two. It'll be Kenseth to the outside, Mike McLaughlin to the inside. The drag race is on down the back stretch. Kenseth showing some pretty good horsepower. Can he slow the door on Mike McLaughlin? Yes, Kenseth takes third away. And then Phil Parsons, a lap machine, will also try and bypass Mike McLaughlin coming out of turn number four, and he's able to do so as well. And I said Phil was a lap down. I correct myself. He is on the lead lap, so that pass was for position. So Phil Parsons moving back up into fourth position. McLaughlin now in fifth. If you're a Joe Bessie fan, he's back on the racetrack after repairs from the accident earlier. He is 60 laps down, but out there nevertheless trying to pick up whatever points he can, while Buckshot Jones continues to lead just past lap 145 of 250. From Pikes Peak International Raceway, this is MRN Radio. Back at Pikes Peak International Raceway, trouble over in turn number four. Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Stanton Barrett getting together. Earnhardt Jr. got away. Barrett, though, up against the outside retaining wall, crashing hard, smashing the back end of his machine, and the caution flag is going to wave for the fourth time this afternoon. Dale had been falling back through the field. We talked about the tire problems. He was back in the 16th position. Barrett was not on the lead lap. Earnhardt trying to get by him. There was contact. Again, Earnhardt able to drive away, but Stanton Barrett may be done for the day. And Stanton just got out of the car and waved with both hands. He was signaling like a football referee signaling a touchdown. Earnhardt Jr. right behind him got right into the rear of the channel lock machine, spun that Chevy up into the wall, and Stanton Barrett's day was done. And Barrett made no mistake of uh, motioning directly at Dale Earnhardt Jr. as he came by the next time around. So I dare say we'll get uh, to hear from both sides of the ledger here. But it does open up the pit window now at lap 150. We are exactly 100 miles from the finish, and here come all the lead automobiles in. First to Tony Rizzuti. Mike McLaughlin in. They're jacking up the right side of his Chevrolet. Right side tires going on. One can of 76 racing fuel in. It'll be a four-tire stop. Also, Elton Sawyer finally getting to pit. He'll take on four tires and gas. Also, Buckshot Jones, Mark Green, Brad Knopfsinger, Mike Cope now down to Marty Snyder. Matt Kenseth a little bit tight. One round of wedge down on the right side of the car. Four-tire stop for Matt Kenseth. Randy LaJoy also in. He was loose getting into the corners. They make no adjustment. They do it with air pressure. Four tires for Randy LaJoy. Dale Earnhardt just now in. A 23-second stop for Randy LaJoy. Dale Earnhardt tight as well. One round of wedge down on the track bar for Dale Earnhardt. Four tires for those guys. There were several teams that were considering making a gamble because of the worry of the rain showers that might be approaching the racetrack. Now that's pretty much out the window. They're saying they could probably go on fuel 100 to 105 laps. We've got 99 to go, so as far as the fuel window is concerned, they should be okay. Question will be what the tire situation will be. Here comes the next wave of cars down along the pit lane. Hermie Sadler leads those down along with Ed Barrier, the Kevin Grubb car, Andy Santer, Elliot Sadler, who's had problems all throughout the afternoon, Wayne Grubb, and others, as it appears that Mark Green will inherit the race lead staying out on the racetrack. And also staying out on the track will be the Crow machine and the Fuller car. So Jeff Crow does not make a pit stop, and Jeff Fuller 
does not make a pit stop. They were among those who pitted at lap number 85, and I guess they're hedging the bets because, again, we can clearly see, as you can always in a wide open space like the flat of Denver area here, you can see rain showers all around this racetrack, and I guess they're hedging their bets that maybe uh, they'll catch a break and be in front should Mother Nature decide to visit Pikes Peak International Raceway. Jeff Crow, one of the only ones who did not come down along the pit lane. He's been out since lap 85, but because of that, he inherits the race lead with 96 laps to go. They're coming off turn four now, waiting for the green flag. Jeff Fuller is second. Randy LaJoy is third. Matt Kenseth fourth. Buckshot Jones is fifth. And they're back onto the green flag, racing into the corner. Hermie Sadler dives underneath Jeff Crow to get back a lap in turn two. Here comes Jeff Crow to the inside of turn one and two, but Randy LaJoy jumps him to the outside of turn two. LaJoy has got the lead. He's trying to bring Matt Kenseth with him as Jeff Crow is getting left behind. Now Hermie Sadler is still the lead car, but he's a couple of laps down as Randy LaJoy now to the outside of Sadler. Kenseth in second. They're nose to tail off of turn four. So Crow was hedging his bet to see if it rained. It did not. He doesn't take tires. It costs him. Randy Randy LaJoy leads here at Pikes Peak International Raceway, but he's got a snarling bunch behind him. Here goes Kenseth trying to challenge for the lead. Flames belt from the exhaust of Matt Kenseth as he dives down to the low side of turn two. Side by side, down the back stretch. Matt Kenseth is your new leader. Randy LaJoy does not want to give up anything in that middle groove, but Kenseth has got the better line. Now sneaks in front of LaJoy for the lead. Kenseth slides up the banking off turn number four, has the lead for good. Crossing the start finish line with Randy LaJoy sitting in behind him. Buckshot Jones is in third, but he's got a car separating him from the front two. Here comes Buckshot Jones to the inside. That would be Wayne Grubb. Buckshot Jones negotiates his way around Grubb as they're side by side. The lead pack is not getting away. Kenseth in the top spot. Randy LaJoy in second. Buckshot Jones in third. Wayne Grubb is making his seventh start of the year here today, is giving Buckshot enough room to make an inside move, but Buckshot hasn't the horses right now to challenge the Link belt team. Meanwhile, the front two pulled away by a car length or so back in turn two. Kenseth is ever so slightly starting to pull away from Randall LaJoy as they come off a of turn two. Single file down the back stretch. Speeds of around 160 miles an hour. Again, Buckshot still having problems clearing Wayne Grubb as they head to turn four. Buckshot down to the inside of the racetrack, right on the white line at the bottom of the track, trying to get by Wayne Grubb, not wanting the front two to get away. Might have to worry about somebody else, though. It's Elton Sawyer on the move. He goes after Buckshot Jones. Three wide in turn one. Three wide in turn one just for a moment. Sawyer backed off or else there would have been an accident for sure. Buckshot Jones holds down third place. Still battling with the lap car of Wayne Grubb. Down the back stretch they come. Kenseth starting to pull away now by about two car lengths over the second spot. Randy LaJoy. Just joining us, Kenseth rather led from the pole. Led the first eight laps. Led a couple of laps at 34 and 35. Then he led lap 38 through 45. Hasn't been heard from since until now at lap one. 156. Matt Kenseth mashing down the gas off of turn two. He's pulling away from LaJoy in second. Here comes that battle for third. It'll be Buckshot Jones and Elton Sawyer, the lone forward in the top ten. Battling again now with Tony Stewart. Stewart makes a bold move to the outside of turn four. Stewart goes high in turn number four as Brad Knopfsiger slows down in turn number two. He is well off the pace. Here comes the battle now among the front five. Buckshot Jones trying to get by the lap traffic and Tony Stewart working to the outside of Elton Sawyer in two. And Tony Stewart has pulled off that pass so now he's solidly in fourth position and now it'll be up to Tony Stewart to deal with Wayne Grubb or Stewart cannot catch Buckshot Jones for third your leader is still Matt Kenser. Meanwhile Ron Hornaday Jr. on the move he'll get to the inside of the lap machine of Elliott Sadler 
Kevin Grubb takes his car to the garage area while Brad Nofsinger, as Joe told you, had problems with his machine. He'll take the curb records entry to the garage. So the attrition list rather high here today as up front the leaders begin to separate just a bit. Back to fourth spot, a good scramble in front of Dan Hubbard. Sawyer takes a look at the inside of Tony Stewart. Nothing this time around as Stewart just eases Michelle Pontiac right in front of Sawyer, holds down fourth spot moving down the front stretch. Tony Stewart doing a great job of defensive racing. It appears that Elton Sawyer may be quicker than he is at this stage of the race, but you can't move with a guy sitting in your way. That's what's happening there. That battle being complicated now by Ron Hornaday beginning to close in on those. And Ron Hornaday to the inside of Sawyer. Tooks a brief look. Now tucks back in the line. Everybody single file in top five positions. Here comes Mike McLaughlin to the inside of Elliot Sadler. McLaughlin closing in on Ron Hornaday Jr. Mike gets by now cleanly there as Hornaday comes off the corner. Again, Hornaday subbing for Robert Presley in the Kingsford car with Robert running earlier today at Michigan Speedway and of course that Kingsford car has now two top 10 finishes in a row and three top 10s in the last five races and all of a sudden here late in the afternoon they're on the move again Hornaday in sixth challenging for fifth there is Hornaday into turn three. Now he's trying to catch Elton Sawyer. Sawyer got a little loose off of turn two because Sawyer's trying so hard to catch Tony Stewart. Now showing 18 cars on the lead lap with 85 laps to go. Matt Kenseth, the race leader. He's got nine-tenths of a second on Randy LaJoy. Buckshot Jones is third. Tony Stewart is fourth. Elton Sawyer runs fifth. Ron Hornaday is sixth. Mike McLaughlin is in seventh now. Mike Dillon is eighth. Ninth is Glenn Allen. Tenth is Mark Green. Eleventh, Dale Earnhardt. Twelfth is Jeff Purvis. Thirteenth, Curtis Markham, 14th Jeff Crow, 15th Phil Parsons, Mike Cope is 16th, Patty Moise is 17th, and Jeff Fuller, 18th, the last car on the lead lap. Sixth place, a great battle. McLaughlin has caught Hornaday. They're back into turn number one. McLaughlin comes off the low side of the racetrack, grabs the spot. Hornaday will try and pass him again off turn two. In Dale Earnhardt style, Hornaday tried to reattack or counterattack to the inside of turn two, could not pull it off. So McLaughlin has got the position. Meanwhile, Elton Sawyer got around Tony Stewart on a power move down the back stretch but Barbasol Ford showing some heavy heavy horsepower. Tony Stewart starting to slip up a little bit in the corners here his car kind of pushing up the banking a bit indicating maybe some tire wear there. Let's check down on pit road first Marty Snyder. Well a little bit earlier Dale Earnhardt Jr. had to come in twice he came in on lap 150 and then again on one lap 154. The problem was the check valve which is what lets the fuel in and out of the uh, fuel cell. It causes the fuel not to come out of the fuel cell when the car is racing. That had broken off. So they had to go back in through the hood, manually open up the check valve so they could put fuel into Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s car. That's why he has slipped all the way back to 11th place. Robbie Reiser, I just asked him how the car was for Matt Kenseth. He looked at me and he said, okay. He said, it's still the best it's been all day long. The last run, they were excellent. This run so far, this set of tires, just as good. Tony Rizzuti. We're back in the garage area with Stanton Barrett. Stanton looked like some really close hard Trouble racing turn out there. Two. It's Mike Dillon. Mike Dillon in a spin. He came together with Jeff Fuller. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is involved in this. So too is Glenn Allen. But Mike Dillon hit the wall hard to the outside of turn four. So it's caution on the speedway for the fifth time this afternoon. Lap 169. Earnhardt Jr. manages to pull away. Glenn Allen also managing to pull away and now peeling himself off the wall the Detroit gasket car and Mike Dillon also pulls away but caution on the track fifth time today lap 169 with Matt Kenseth leading at the Pikes Peak International Raceway.
We are working caution for the fifth time this afternoon. Dale Earnhardt Jr., Glenn Allen, and Mike Dillon all got together up in turn number three. A previous incident that occurred between Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Stanton Barrett was also there between turns three and four. Tony Rizzuti, what are you hearing from Stanton Barrett? Well, Stanton, we mentioned there was some hard, tough driving out there. You and Dale Jr., what happened? Well, it's disappointing for our chair lock, Monte Carlo Chevrolet. You know, we have great sponsors here. We're out here trying to run a good race. We uh, running in the top ten for a while and had to pit. We went to the rear, and we were picking them off. I think we were about middle of the pack. We were one of the fastest cars on the track. Dale Jr. was floundering around out there. We got by him, and we got by about four or five other cars within two laps, and he decided, I guess, I don't know what he was thinking, but he didn't like it, and uh, I didn't touch him nothing. He decided he didn't like to be passed, so... He just ran in back of us and uh, got me loose. You can see, obviously, I'm sure by the TV cameras, and our we have a bumper cam to back that one up. But uh, it's just disappointing. That's no way to race, not not with anybody, and especially with people who race other people clean. But it'll come back to them, and it really counts. I, you know, it's just disappointing for Channel Lock and uh, this race team. They worked really hard. The crew's going to try to get it back in together. They. Uh, replace the left front rotor. They also uh, cut some sheet metal away on the rear, so they'll try to get him back in the race. Still 78 laps to go. Matt Kenseth leads Randy LaJoy, Buckshot Jones, Elton Sawyer, and Tony Stewart. We're working caution. From Pikes Peak International Raceway, this is MRN Radio. For an afternoon that many predicted would be long green flag runs, no cautions, clean all the way, it certainly turned the other way around. Five cautions so far, some pretty hard hits throughout the course of the afternoon, and a lot of action in this race, Eli. A lot of action. Most recently, three machines up in turn number three. Mike Dillon spun. That forced Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Glenn Allen to get together. As a matter of fact, they're still working on Glenn Allen's car. He now pulls away from the pit lane yet again. He's been in for service over the last few laps. Meanwhile, the attrition list has continued to grow. Rick Corelli went out early. So did Johnny Chapman, Alan Russell, and Doug Taylor. Perry Tripp with engine failure. Mark Krogh was in an accident. Matt Hutter, likewise. Mark Day lost an engine. So did Bobby Hillen with clutch problems. He was done for the day. Tim Fedewa was in an accident. Jimmy Kitchens with carburetor problems. Jason Keller had an engine problem. We've talked to Stanton Barrett, who was in that accident earlier. Brad Notzinger with engine failure. And now in the garage area, Kevin Grubb as well. Let's get the update on Kevin's machine, Tony Rizzuti. Kevin, I know this wasn't how you want to end your day. Uh, what put you out? I'll tell you, the um, Grubb Motorsports, they gave me a great car to drive. We were running the top five and top ten. And then um, some in the front end came loose. We're not real sure what it is yet. Could have been a shock or, or a spring could have collapsed. We're not real sure. But, you know, we're out here and we're looking for a sponsor. And we've been running real good. And we're just going to be back next week and hope for the best. Tough break for Kevin Grubb. But keep your eye on this young Virginia driver. He's got a ton of talent. So Kevin Grubb makes 15 cars now behind the uh, garage wall here this afternoon. Following today's Lycos.com 250, the NASCAR Bush Series takes next week off, but then moves on racing on the road course at Watkins Glen International on Sunday, June 28th in the Lysol 200. Our MRN radio airtime is 12.15 p.m. Eastern time. Ticket office is open there. Call, make your plans to join us at... Watkins Glen, New York. From there, we'll be at Milwaukee, Wisconsin for the Sears Die Hard 250. That's on July 5th. July the 11th finds us in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for the Advanced Auto Parts 250. Then on July 19th, the Kenwood Home and Auto 300 in Fontana, California. And we'll wrap up the month of July in South Boston, Virginia, running the Winston 300. Hope you can plan to join us for an upcoming NASCAR Bush Series race. And of course, you can always join us here on MRN Radio. On the racetrack right now, we've seen the... Uh, 
Wayne Grubb car come to a stop in turn number four. We're also going to see Elliott Sadler's car come to a stop on the racetrack in just a moment or so. They're not being penalized by NASCAR, but the rule is very clear. You can only take the caution flag once, and both Sadler and Grubb took the caution before the leader did moments ago during that spin involving Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Glenn Allen and Mike Dillon. So all they're doing right now is getting the lap back that technically those guys kind of stole from the rest of the field and now everybody's going to get back under speed again and fall into their correct position so they're not being penalized but instead uh, Wayne Grubb and Elliot Sadler just being placed back into their correct position scoring wise here this afternoon let's check in on pit road Dale Earnhardt Jr. came in a little while ago involved in that accident there's no damage to his car he just flat spotted four tires let's talk to uh, Robbie Reiser who is Matt Kenseth's crew chief I asked Robbie a minute ago you coming in when this caution flag came out he said are you crazy no way it's getting ready to rain and Robbie you decided not to pit why well we don't really need to pit we just pitted um, 15 green laps ago so uh, I think we're we're just gonna stay out and ride this thing out we only got one set of tires that we can take under caution yet and we maybe need those for the end so uh, we, you know our, our our types our times and everything look pretty decent you know so I think we're just gonna stay out the Lakewood Chevrolet is running great and we'll just see how it works out it would be about a 90 lap run. Should it go green the rest of the way, could you stay out? Well, we just ran 75 on a set and we were, were pretty decent. So I think we, we maybe make it to the end. The longer runs are better for Matt Kenseth. So should this thing go green and stay green, I think they can stay out front. Tell you what, that has been a very impressive team. They formed up last year near the end of the season, ran several races then, started full-time this year, and only after racing, what, two or three races this season, they won their first ever NASCAR Busch Series victory. It came at Rockingham back in March. They won their first Bud Pole Award here this weekend and are hoping to make it uh, really complete with a win. We're still down the road. They're looking at great things. But Matt Kenseth told me yesterday they're very pleased with the way things have turned out for them in 1998. Well, everything's been going good. Um, you know, there's ups and downs. I always like to be doing a little bit better. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm surprised in a way, but on, on another way, I'm really not. We have a really good race team. We had a half a year together last year to kind of build up to what we're doing right now. And, um, you know, it was basically a first-year driver and a first-year team last year. So, like I said, we built on that and got into this year, and, and everything's been going you know, fairly well for us. There's still room for improvement, but, you know, we've been competitive every week, and if we can keep some decent racing luck and not have flat tires and things like happened to Dover, I think that, you know, we can try to run for this championship. Matt has had uh, one big fan in Mark Martin and all the Jack Roush racing operation. I ask about that connection. Uh, basically, it's through Mark Martin. He um, was kind of interested in helping me kind of develop my career and, you know, let me go with him testing and, and uh, things like that. Gives me advice, you know, when I need it, which is often. And, um, and things like that. So, um, you know, hopefully eventually someday I'll be driving a Roush racing car, you know, in Winston Cup. That's kind of my eventual goal or dream or whatever. But, um, you know, I'm really happy driving a 17 car right now, and, and uh, Riser Enterprise definitely has a great race team of their own here. Certainly one of the future stars of NASCAR racing, Matt Kenseth. Meanwhile, we are now at lap 178 of 250. We're starting to see some different strategies playing out. Obviously, a lot of rain in the area. Lightning has been flashing. Jeff Purvis now elects to make a pit stop. He's in, running in 10th place, can clearly go the distance from here. Let's go to pit road. And that's their thought, Eli. They're hoping that everybody else will eventually have to stop. They think they can go all the way. They were a little bit loose on that last run, so they put one round of wedge in the left rear of Jeff Purvis's car. Hermie Sadler also pitting right now, as well as Joe Besson. Short pitting could be the key to a win here today. We'll find out shortly. 
We have been under the caution flag since back at lap 169 when there was a crash in turn three between Dale Earnhardt Jr., Glenn Allen, and Mike Dillon. An extensive track cleanup resulted from that, and now some light showers have blown across Pikes Peak International Raceway, continuing to keep us under the caution flag. Bit of a Wyoming mist, as they say. It missed Wyoming, and it hit us here in Colorado. But nevertheless, we continue under the caution. Well, we take an opportunity here to update everybody on who's running where, who's in the garage area, and so on. Matt Kenseth took the lead at lap 156 most recently. He's still there now at lap 181. Randy LaJoy, who has led here today, led a couple of laps earlier. He's running second. Buckshot Jones, who dominated for about 70 miles midway through the race, he is running third. Elton Sawyer is fourth. Tony Stewart, who won here in the Indy Racing League a year ago, he's fifth. Mike McLaughlin is sixth. Ron Hornaday, seventh. Good run for Mark Green. He's running eighth. Phil Parsons, who is busily celebrating his Detroit Red Wings, leading the Stanley Cup Finals three games to none. He's running in ninth. And Curtis Markham, subbing for Dick Trickle, who ran the Winston Cup race at Michigan today. Curtis is tenth. Mike Cope is 11th. Jeff Fuller, 12th. Patty Moise has persevered, now running in 13th after the problems with the spark plug wire earlier in the day. Jeff Krogh is 14th. Jeff Purvis, remember, pitted moments ago. He's running in 15th spot. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is 16th. Those 16 cars are on the lead lap. Running in 17th, the lap down is Wayne Grubb. Hermie Sadler is 18th. Ed Berrier runs in 19th. Mike Dillon being posted in 20th. 21st is Glenn Allen Jr. Andy Santer is running 22nd. Kevin Schwantz is 23rd. 24th is Elliot Sadler, and Shane Hall runs 25th. 26th is Tracy Leslie, and Blaze Alexander is 27th. Those 27 cars remain on the lead lap. Actually, I should say remain on the racetrack. The others are already in the garage, an unusually high attrition list today. It began with handling problems for Rick Corelli and Johnny Chapman early. Alan Russell went out also with handling problems. Likewise, Doug Taylor. Perry Tripp with engine problems. Mark Krogh was in an accident. Also, Matt Hutter back at lap 44. His day was done. Mark Day with engine problems. Bobby Hillen with a clutch problem. Tim Fedewa was involved in an accident, and that put him to the garage at lap 84. Jimmy Kitchens with carburetor problems. Jason Keller had engine failure. Stanton Barrett was in an accident. Kevin Grubb with engine problems and Brad Nofsinger as well. So that's the attrition list. The cautions, five thus far today, including this one now, which began with Dale Earnhardt Jr., Glenn Allen, and Mike Dillon spinning at turn four and has been extended because of the rain showers. And there you have the storyline of the Lightcoast.com 250 being led by Matt Kenseth. It is the 15th of 31 races on the schedule for the NASCAR Bush Series here in 1990. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification on MRN Radio, the voice of NASCAR racing. As quickly as that brief rain shower blew through, it is blown away. And now they're saying two laps before we go back under the green flag to run the final 67 laps of the Lycos.com 250. A couple other events coming up this week for the NASCAR various touring series. The Remax Challenge Series, which ran here yesterday, will be at the Hawkeye Down Speedway in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. That's on Tuesday, June 16th at 9.30 p.m. The NASCAR Bush North Series heads for Stafford Motor Speedway in Stafford Springs, Connecticut. That's the 8th Annual CarQuest Auto 
Parts 150 on Friday, June 19th at 9 p.m. The NASCAR Goodies Dash Series, along with the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, heads for Bristol Motor Speedway in Tennessee. The Goodies Dash 150 goes on Saturday, June 20th at 4.30 p.m. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series also on Saturday at 7 that evening. The NASCAR Featherlight Modified Series at Riverhead New York Raceway. The Miller Lite 200 runs on Saturday, June 20th at 7 p.m., while the Ray Bestus Breaks Northwest Series runs at uh, the Portland Rose Festival Association's Portland International Raceway. The Air Touch Cellular 100, that also Saturday, June 20th at 3 p.m. And the NASCAR Winston Cup Tour at Pocono, Pennsylvania for the Pocono 500 next weekend. Of course, you'll hear that race right here on MRN Radio. We're just about a lap and a half away from going back to green. Matt Kenseth continues to lead. He was the winner earlier this year at the North Carolina Speedway in Rockingham. And, of course, if he could win here today, that would give him a couple of victories for the year. Dale Earnhardt Jr. already has two victories this year. When he was a rookie, Steve Park had two victories in his first season. And when he was a rookie, Dennis Setzer had a couple of victories. We have uh, potentially four fellas right now who are knocking on the door of rewriting the NASCAR Bush Series record book for victories by a rookie. And again, a new man could add his name to that list should Matt Kenseth win here today, coupled with the uh, victory at Rockingham back in February. The field gets the one to go signal. Still a lot of rain in the area, but the racetrack is dry. Everybody just double checking NASCAR officials checking with the pace car driver to make sure the track is in raceable condition. Pretty much so, saying there, let's get going, go back racing and finish this baby up with 65 laps to go. Just 65 laps remaining and uh, everybody kind of playing their hand now, hoping for the final run. Should be in pretty good shape uh, as far as fuel is concerned for tires among the front uh, 18 guys that are on the lead lap. I think everybody is in good shape. This should be a very interesting shootout. Up front, it's Matt Kenseth, who had nearly a four-second lead. Now, right on his bumper is Randy LaJoy, Buckshot Jones, Elton Sawyer, and Tony Stewart. It's a double-file restart to the inside. Hermie Sadler, several others trying to get a lap back as we go back under the green flag. They're down to the line. Kenseth gets a good jump by two car links over Randy LaJoy. Further back, Elton Sawyer dives to the inside now to make a move on Buckshot Jones. He's blocked there by heavy traffic, though. Buckshot Jones uses Shane Hall for the pick, and Buckshot Jones will ride along in third position. Meanwhile, your leader down the back stretch is Matt Kenseth. Hermie Sadler, the last car, right in front of second spot, Randy LaJoy. And here comes Tony Stewart to the outside of Buckshot Jones. He'll try and make it stick if he can. The shell color is going wide. Can't draw even with Buckshot Jones, but he does hold his line. Brings Elton Sawyer along with him. And now Tony Stewart and Jones scrambling together in turn two. Power move by Tony Stewart, but he can't make it last into turn two. Buckshot Jones swings way low to the inside of turn two. Now down the back stretch, they are three wide. It's Jones, LaJoy, and Tony Stewart. Everybody shuffles out into turn three. Buckshot Jones takes second away from Randy LaJoy. That was nearly four wide. What a powerful move by Buckshot Jones diving to the inside. He's in second. LaJoy is third. The race now for fourth. Tony Stewart and Elton Sawyer side by side with a lap car to their outside. Tony Stewart tried the inside, but there was not enough real estate to pull off the pass. So Elton Sawyer will hold down third position. Here comes your leader into turn three, Matt Kenseth, with about five car lengths over second spot. Buckshot Jones, Randy LaJoy rides in third. We're at lap 188 of 250. Still a lot of racing to go. The lead extends to seven-tenths of a second for Kenseth over Buckshot Jones, Randy LaJoy, and again, further back, Tony Stewart inside of the lap machine of Andy Santer trying to pick his way back to the front. 
Tony Stewart to the inside of turns one and two. Had his problems on the last lap. Now trying to regroup, trying to get back his rhythm here at Pikes Peak International Raceway. The next car for him to pick off would be Mike McLaughlin, but Tony Stewart battling with a lapped automobile of Andy Santer. Boy, Elton Sawyer has come to life since this restart. He is in fourth now, going after third place. Randy LaJoy right up on his rear deck as they cross the start-finish line. Sawyer flashes to the inside, tries to draw even with LaJoy. Here comes Elton Sawyer, racing for the honor of Ford out of turn two, right on the rear bumper now of Randy LaJoy. Nose to tail, down the back stretch. Sawyer wanted to go to the inside, could not do it as Hermie Sadler was there. So Sawyer has to tuck back in the line for the moment. Randy LaJoy's third position is safe. So for the moment, everybody kind of taking a bit of a breath. But again, Elton Sawyer will mount one more challenge on LaJoy. Kenseth says, fellas, keep it up. As long as I can see in my rear view mirror. And they are all seven tenths of a second behind Matt Kenseth with still 59 miles to go here at Pikes Peak. We're in the final 53 laps of the Lycos.com 250 here at Pikes Peak International Raceway in Colorado. Joe Moore and Eli Gold covering the action for you. Dan Hubbard serving uh, all the duty on the back straightaway in the pits. Marty Snyder and Tony Rizzuti have had an ongoing great battle for third that has long since been won by Elton Sawyer. He moved up a position. The fourth spot also changed. Randy LaJoy raced with Elton for a while, then raced with Mike McLaughlin. McLaughlin moves up to the fourth spot, and Randy LaJoy falls back to fifth but up front it's the same story as it's been for about the last half of the race Matt Kenseth building a commanding lead over Buckshot Jones who at one stage of the race today looked to be the man to beat yeah, Buckshot led from laps 82 through 151 and really was dominating and even before he got to the front while Jeff Purvis was leading Buckshot was making his way from the middle of the field up towards the front he was quickest of anybody but right now he's basically settled in running pretty much the same pace as is Kenseth. He just can't quite get himself closer to the front. Unscheduled stop for Mike Dillon. He's had a good bit of sheet metal flapping on the Detroit gasket machine. They had taped it down. They had bungee corded it down. And now things begin to flap just a bit again. So NASCAR brings him in with the black flag. And they are going to re-secure some of the sheet metal atop the Detroit gasket entry after Dillon was involved in an accident back at lap 169. Meanwhile, the leaders come back to the Start finish line and across the stripe. You know who's running well again now is Ron Hornaday. For a while he had backslid. Now he's in eighth place. Granted, he's six seconds back. It's been a, an on and again, off again kind of afternoon for that Kingsford team. But you consider the as far back as they were after the last restart is is quite a big improvement for Ron Hornaday. Again, he's about a straightaway behind the race leader. Now the only guy who's anywhere near the race leader, Buckshot Jones, uh, rather Matt Kenseth, is Buckshot Jones, and the separation there is pretty much stable. It's about a second now, and it's been that way for the last several laps. The guy who might be picking up a little steam is Elton Sawyer. Since getting out of that battle with Randy LeJoy and Mike McLaughlin, he's pulled away from them by several car links. Question is, is there enough time left for Sawyer to chase down Buckshot and ultimately Matt Kenseth? Let's go to Pit Road. And Joe Moore on Elton Sawyer. I talked to him this morning, and he says this is the best he's ever felt about a race that he thought he could win. The team just switched to Roush Motors, and that seems to have made the difference for Elton Sawyer. 
switch to Roush Motors. Plus, consider the fact flat tracks is kind of Elton's specialty. Really has been, even dating back to the days at Langley Speedway in Hampton, Virginia, where he cut his teeth. Great battle in front of Dan Hubbard right now on the racetrack for six. Dale Earnhardt Jr. to the inside of Tony Stewart. He's been working on him for a couple of laps. Now he set him up for the pass as they move to the front stretch. Earnhardt comes up the banking. Stewart comes up as well to allow plenty of racing room. They split and across the start-finish line, but are still side-by-side, -side, racing for sixth in turn two. Tony Stewart has had great success with that middle groove this afternoon. Probably the only car that's enjoyed that higher groove. They come off of turn two, side-by-side. -side. Still, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Tony Stewart, battling it out for sixth. For right now, Stewart has the advantage. Tony Stewart, who ran the International Race of Champions yesterday at the Michigan Speedway, finished third. Randy LaJoy was there as well and finished ninth in the afternoon. And right now, Tony Stewart holds down that position just ahead of Dale Earnhardt Jr. So they swap around with Stewart grabbing sixth. Earnhardt Jr. finishing or uh, running in seventh right now. And this is also just the prelim, uh, not so much the prelim, but the first of two races for Stewart today. I was told a while ago he's going to be running the super modified race that's here at this track later this afternoon. Yeah, his uh, public relations director walked up and said, no big surprise. He's going to race at another event. Well, he's got to get through this one first. And once again, he's under attack. Dale Earnhardt comes back to the inside of Tony Stewart for sixth. Here they come into turn one and two. It's Earnhardt and Stewart leaning on each other all the way around the corners. Tony Stewart comes off a of turn two. Who gets the better bite? Neither driver has an advantage. It's a dead heat into turn three. This time, Earnhardt Jr. has the inside line. Oh, there's contact made. Stewart lost control just for a moment. Gathers back up to Shell Pontiac. Close moment there for Tony Stewart. And here they come off the corner again and just about touch. And they'll rub again here at the start-finish line. We're still 44 miles in the finish. And this time, it's Tony Stewart making the move. He'll hang on to sixth. Earnhardt Jr. is seventh. The leader is Matt Kenseth. His advantage now better than a second on second place running Buckshot Jones. There's nearly 10 seconds between first place Matt Kenseth and the sixth place battle which continues. But boy, that is a doozy. Everyone's watching it. Tony Stewart, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Phil Parsons has drawn in there. For now, they are nose to tail, but Eli, for a while, it looked like Phil was going to make that a three-wide battle here at the start-finish line. He thought about it. He really didn't know where his best place to be was. Did he want to run right behind Stewart and Earnhardt Jr.? Because everybody in the ballpark figured they'd take each other out. Phil didn't want to get caught up in it. So then he looked to the inside. Then things settled down, and here goes Earnhardt Jr. again. He'll draw to the inside of Stewart. This is for sixth off turn two. Down the back stretch, dead even. Phil Parsons with the best seat in the house right behind Dale Earnhardt Jr. It'll be Dale Earnhardt Jr. to the inside, but again, Tony Stewart makes that middle groove work. Both of these drivers got the bit between their teeth. Some great racing going on for the sixth position. Dale Earnhardt Jr., Tony Stewart. Earnhardt gets a nose out in front, and Stewart pulls back out in front. Again, side by side, going back over into the corner. The tire wear, you've got to consider the fact that racing side by side like this, still with 36 laps to go, is going to cost them as far as the tires are concerned. But it doesn't seem to be coming into their thinking as they continue side by side. And again, Parsons looks for a chance to make it three wide. Off turn number four, Phil again sneaks a peek to the inside. Nothing there. This has also allowed Hornaday and Mark Green to close in from the rear flank. They're running ninth and tenth. And they're also now, as Joe says, a full 10 seconds behind the race leader, Matt Kenseth. Off turn two, here goes Earnhardt again. This is a pure example of evenly matched cars, evenly matched drivers. Tony Stewart this time, however, is right in front of Dale Earnhardt Jr. We haven't seen that formation for at least the last 10 laps. So finally, nose to tail, they settle down off the corner. Phil Parsons falls back in line behind. This has been the action going 
going on from six on back. Up front, not a whole lot happening. Matt Kenseth has a 1.7 second lead on Buckshot Jones. He's got five seconds on Mike McLaughlin. Further back, you've got Elton Sawyer and running back into fourth. problems for Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart goes way wide off turn two, has to slow way down to save the race car. He will lose six positions in the exchange, maybe even more, because Earnhardt Jr. and Parsons got by. Hornaday, Green, we've got caution on the speedway. Problems in turn number two. And the problems are for Buckshot Jones, the second place runner, and the same location where Tony Stewart went wide. Buckshot Jones goes wide, tags the wall. We're under caution here at Pikes Peak for the sixth time at lap 217 and how quickly the storyline can change. Just talking about how big of a margin of a lead Matt Kenseth had and that Buckshot had over the third place car. Now problems for Buckshot Jones. Smoke pouring out from the front of his car. Looks like it's leaning over the right front tire. Appears to be down as he makes his way down along the pit lane. Buckshot Jones coming into the attention of his crew. Let's go there for an update on what uh, is happening with Buckshot. 45 miles an hour, Buckshot brings it down, stops on the marks. Definitely the right front is flat. The crew running around. They're now having to push on the top of the car to try to get the jack underneath. They get one can of gasoline, but right now the main problem is they cannot get the jack underneath the car to change the tires. They are still furiously trying. Now the jack is under. Right side is up. They will go to change the right side tire. Tough break for Buckshot Jones. And here comes the field out of turn number four back to the stripe. They've got a way to go still to get down towards Chip Warren and that stop and go paddle at the head end of the pit lane. But Buckshot Jones will be going from a strong second place run now to a lap down. He'll be no better than 17th when he returns to action. And Joe was very strange because a half a lap earlier, maybe 15, 20 seconds earlier, that's where Tony Stewart went way wide, had to get Get all out of the accelerator to save the race car and then seconds later there went Buckshot Jones. Stewart moves back into the ninth position after again racing for a sixth for a while there with Dale Earnhardt Jr. and for Buckshot Jones he still sits on the pit road after losing at least one lap. What this does now is it tightens the field up with 31 laps to go. Mike McLaughlin inherits the second spot behind Matt Kenseth. Elton Sawyer moves up to third. Randy LaJoy to fourth. Dale Earnhardt to fifth. LaJoy's been kind of coming and going. He'd be up there battling for third or fourth, then fall back a ways. Marty Steiner, what's the situation there on the uh, LaJoy car? Well, the situation with Randy LaJoy is they start out loose. The car comes to them the longer they run, so they run like 30 or 40 laps, and the car comes to them, and they're a lot faster. Problem is, there's only 30 laps left in this race, so it might be tight for Randy LaJoy to try to get back towards the front of this race. Buckshot Jones now coming off pit road as the rest of the field comes down pit road. Everybody going to pit this time, including Matt Kenseth, Randy LaJoy, and Dale Earnhardt Jr., who has made great progress of late. He started way back because he had the problems on pit road a little bit earlier. Also got involved in the accident. Now running fourth is Buckshot for uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Matt Kenseth in. That was the best the car had been all day long, according to Robbie Reiser. He's been saying that for the last couple runs. The car very consistent. They will make no adjustments on Matt Kenseth's pit stop. He is now down and away with four tires. He'll win the race off pit road with a 20-second stop. Elton Sawyer is second, followed by Mike McLaughlin and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Other stops in front of Tony Rizzuti. Mike Cope come in, got four tires. Also, Blaze Alexander. Patty Moise and Buckshot Jones is back in. Got a chance to take a look at the right front. The tire had totally disintegrated. The crew now brings him in again. They get out the Roush roller to try to roll that right front fender away. 
a terrible break for Buckshot Jones. He will be 19th as he returns to action. Phil Parsons, though, elects not to make a pit stop. Phil Parsons stays on the racetrack. Jeff Purvis stays on the racetrack. They are now running first and second at lap 221 of 250 here in Colorado from Pikes Peak International Raceway. This is MRN Radio. Getting ready to go back onto the green flag here at Pikes Peak International Raceway after caution came out when Buckshot Jones tagged the wall. He has since lost a lap, has fallen back in the pack after running second. Now he's back in the 19th position. Practically all the leaders came in to make stops with the exception of Phil Parsons and Jeff Purvis. They are first and second. Let's check in the pit area and see what the plan is here with 28 laps to go. Tony Rizzuti. Got crew chief Gene Need here for Phil Parsons. Gene, everybody else came down and pitted. You decided to stay out. What's your strategy? I'm hoping it rains, man. That's the word out of Phil Parsons' pit. Marty Snyder. Well, with Johnny Allen, and uh, you pitted on lap 178, and so far it's playing into your favor. You thought the other guys would pit, and they've had to now. Yeah, I'm hoping it's going to be pretty good for us here. We don't know how good we really are, but track position seems like it's a whole lot here, and hopefully we can hang on. We said back on lap 178, this is exactly what these guys were hoping for, that all the rest of the leaders would have to come in. They knew they could go all the way then, and they're going to go for it now. That was the short pitting we talked about earlier. Gusts of wind up to 40 miles an hour now, blowing some sand across the racetrack. Green is in the air, and Phil Parsons leads him off into turn number one. Tennessee veteran Jeff Purvis right behind him in second. They'll clear race traffic, everybody else sorting themselves out as they work the backstretch. Down the backstretch they come, single file. It is Parsons and Purvis, nose the tail into turn three. Matt Kenseth back in third, trying to negotiate the slower traffic off the turn four. Kenseth boxed in in traffic, makes a strong move, three wide through the middle of a couple of cars to pick up a spot, now with two more machines separating him from the front two. It is Phil Parsons showing the way as one car goes up. Hale Earnhardt Jr. slaps the outside wall in turn number two as he gets into the marbles on the back straightaway. Kenseth, though, on the move. Meanwhile, it'll be Phil Parsons in the lead. Jeff Purvis in second. Kenseth to the inside of the lap car of Ed Barrier. Kenseth on the move in third. You know, we're seeing 40 and 50 mile an hour gusts of wind. You wonder whether that's being a, a factor in moving these race cars around now, Joe. Here's a connection here, a some uh, contact with uh, Tony Stewart, and now some damage on his car. He and Mike McLaughlin touched coming off turn four. McLaughlin slows going to the high side of the track. Stewart showing smoke, continues down the back straightaway, but it appears a left front is down on Mike McLaughlin's car. He was running in the sixth position. Tough break, so McLaughlin, he now shed some more rubber behind him, sparks from beneath the Goulds pump automobile. McLaughlin keeps it pointed in the straight line. The man he got together with, though, Tony Stewart, really smoking from the right rear, going into turn number one. Meanwhile, the leader is Phil Parsons on the backstretch. Parsons has got the lead, but Matt Kenseth is on the move. Now he has moved into second position, sets his sights on Phil Parsons, who you remember did not pick. Kenseth to the inside of Parsons. He'll try to draw up alongside on the front stretch. Kenseth is strong, getting by Jeff Purvis, now going after the race leader, Phil Parsons. He's right up on his bumper, looking for a chance to make the move. Entering turn number one, they are nose to tail. Here's Kenseth looking down low for a chance to make the move. Facing a 40 mile an hour wind down the back stretch. Here comes Parsons to the outside, Kenseth to the inside. They are dead heated right into turn three. It'll be Kenseth taking the lead from Phil Parsons. Jeff Purvis is third. The rest of the field makes their way up a turn four. So Matt Kenseth, after yielding the lead at lap 220 when he pitted, comes back to take the lead here at lap 228. He's been 
strong through much of the second portion of the event, and it pays off for him to make the pit stop. Gene needs roll of the dice to stay out there and not pit, at least for the moment, not paying off. They're back to turn three. Here comes Kenseth into turn three. Only a car length and a half separate himself from Phil Parsons in second. Jeff Purvis, however, will have to deal with the lap car of Wayne Grubb as Jeff Purvis holds the third position. Purvis washes up the banking off turn number four. Behind him, Elton Sawyer now running in the fourth position. Ron Hornaday in fifth. Most of those cars still having to deal with lap traffic. Kenseth back out in front. He begins to stretch out that lead over Phil Parsons. He is stretching it out down the back stretch as Phil Parsons cannot hang on to the Chevrolet of Matt Kenseth. Kenseth all by himself now by about four to five car lengths out of turn four. Now granted we're only midway through the season but remember with McLaughlin having made the unscheduled stop for the cut tire moments ago he's in 22nd and Matt Kenseth apparently en route to the lead. Not only will he erase the nine point deficit he has to McLaughlin leading the points he'll surge into the lead atop the NASCAR Bush Series point standings and again a lot of racing yet to go but that young man's really leaving a mark on the season here in 1998 could turn out to be a big big weekend for Matt Kenseth winning the bud pole if he can hang on for another 20 laps to win the race take the points lead I would say Colorado would be one of his favorite states. Here's a good race. Further back as Tony Stewart is settled down, Randy LaJoy goes after him. That's the race for the sixth position in turn two. Tony Stewart, the smoke has stopped off that shell Pontiac, so whatever problem he had before has now ended. Here comes Randy LaJoy to the inside. He'll try to pull up alongside Tony Stewart and take away that inside line, and he does so. The Fina Chevrolet passing Tony Stewart inside of turn three. So LaJoy picks up sixth spot on that move, a little closer to the front. Here's Elton Sawyer now challenging third place Jeff Purvis they're side by side entering one Purvis stays high Sawyer down low Jeff Purvis trying to use the limited banking to his advantage but Elton gets the good jump off the low side of the corner they've been going at it lap after lap now as Parsons tries to defend his position excuse me that would be Sawyer tries to defend his position from Purvis Sawyer gets a little bit loose off of turn four but now sneaks in front of Jeff Purvis Sawyer gets the third position Purvis falls back to fourth the lap car of Elliott Sander behind them separating them from fifth place Robert Presley now with 17 laps to go off turn number two it's Matt Kenseth his lead now five car lengths over Phil Parsons Kenseth has got quite a lead right now and you get the sense that perhaps Matt is backing off just a bit he doesn't have to push the car all that hard still has five car lengths in hand over second spot Phil Parsons Joe Bessie has gone to the garage area he knows that even if he runs every lap to the finish now he still can't pick up any more positions he's destined to finish in 28th some 60 laps in arrears and with the car beaten and bruised all day Joe Bessie has now parked it for the afternoon Kenseth's lead eight tenths of a second in turn three here comes Kenseth into turn three there's Phil Parsons the lap car of Wayne Grubb hanging on to the rear bumper of Parsons now the battle for third between Elton Sawyer and Jeff Purvis Purvis however not able to close ground on Sawyer Sawyer some three seconds behind Phil Parsons so a lot of racetrack to make up if he can get away from Phil Parsons and track down second place or rather if he can get away from the car he's uh, racing with there Jeff Purvis and track down Parsons who's now running in the second spot Parsons continues losing ground to Matt Kenseth as the laps continue to wind down 14 to go when they come back to the start finish line 
And a good race still is going on from third on back. Elton Sawyer with Purvis there in tow. As they work through the corner, everybody holding their position. Purvis can't move closer, but he's also having to watch the lapped machine of Elliott Sadler around him. Elliott's running in 19th. One guy who's making good time again. Unfortunately for him, he's a couple of laps down. That's Buckshot Jones in 17th position. He's quick again on the racetrack, but it looks as though his chances for a win are done. How about Randy LaJoy now battling Ron Hornaday for fifth coming out of turn four? LaJoy's got the inside lane. That car's coming to life once again, but He's been back and forth all afternoon. They're side by side. Further back, Curtis Markham is going after Tony Stewart. That's a race for the eighth position. Two great side-by-side -side battles that are now working off turn two. We'll keep an eye on that fight for fifth between two very tough customers. That's Randy LaJoy and Ron Hornaday Jr. Side by side down the back stretch. Can Hornaday make that middle group stick? Yes, he does. They're still side by side. Now, both of these cars will have to deal with a lap car of Elliott Sadler. And then just ahead of Sadler, you've got Purvis. Elliott gets out of the way lets those battlers go on right behind them a trio of cars battling for seventh eighth and ninth Curtis Markham Tony Stewart and Mark Green who has been solidly in contention all day those three scramble off turn number two lap 238 Mark Curtis Markham comes off the of turn two just a car length in front of Tony Stewart Stewart's car is just beaten and battered but he's still running cleanly through turns three and four Mark Green settles in behind him for the time being that would be holding down the ninth position Tony Stewart in eighth. Also the Hornaday-Curtis Markham battle is settled down. Randy DeJoy got by. He's got fifth. Hornaday is sixth. Markham is seventh. Eighth is Tony Stewart. Ninth is Mark Green. And tenth is Mike Cope. Matt Kenseth's lead now a second and a half. He's doing what he did earlier this afternoon, stretching it out here as we come into the final ten laps of this race. Phil Parsons gambled. They thought they would stay out, hoping maybe it would rain. Maybe things would work out. But they're still going to end up with maybe a second-place finish. And you never know. This thing's not over. It's been a strange enough day. But you know something? These folks who have come to the NASCAR debut of the Bush Series here at Pikes Peak have lordy gotten their money's worth today. Randy LaJoy wants fourth. He's drawn even with Purvis on the backstretch. And he passes him cleanly into turn three. Great power move by the Phoenix Chevrolet. Randy LaJoy now takes over the third spot from Jeff Purvis. Now he's about five car lengths behind Elton Sawyer, the third-place man, as they come back down to the line. Here's Mark Green further back. He He's going after Tony Stewart. This would be the race for the eighth position, now working through turns one and two. Here they come. It'll be Tony Stewart coming off a of turn two. Mark Green to the inside. Stewart cannot make it stick to the outside of turns one and two, so give the position to Mark Green. The wind still continuing to kick up in a violent manner here at Pikes Peak International Raceway. Kenseth with eight miles to go. Leads now by one and nine-tenths of a second on Phil Parsons, who runs a strong self the second. Elton Sawyer is third. Randy LaJoy fourth. Now Jeff Purvis holding down the fifth spot. For the moment, everybody holding their positions now as the field works back towards the corner, and Kenseth has to deal with the slower machine of Tracy Leslie, who's had a tough day today, has spent a good bit of time on the pit lane, and Kenseth will dispose of him easily. Kenseth gets by that machine of Tracy Leslie, looks back. Again, the uh, separation now almost two seconds to Phil Parsons. Parsons' lead over Elton Sawyer is five and a half seconds. So stretched out up front. It seems like this is the way this whole race has been today, Eli. The good racing has been from about fifth or sixth on back. Once a guy gets in the lead, he's just gone. It really is that way, and it's unusual that you've been able to see that many different drivers dominate. Though when Kenseth is up front, as he is again now, he's been untouchable. 
When Purvis was there for 40 some odd miles, same thing. When Buckshot Jones led for 70 some odd laps, same thing. Nobody could come anywhere near him. But right now it's Matt Kenseth, five and a half miles away from victory. He's in turn three. Matt Kenseth and the Lycos.com Chevrolet all by himself in turns three and four. Phil Parsons now has gotten around the lap car of Tracy Leslie, but Phil is going to have his work cut out for him if he's going to run down Matt Kenseth. Just five laps to go as they cross the line. Here's the race for the fifth position. And again, it involves Randy LeJoy. He's trying to chase down Elton Sawyer. Got a nose up alongside Sawyer that time off turn four, falling back in the line, single file. Here's LeJoy dropping down low to try again off two. Again, LeJoy is better on these longer runs, and he looks to the inside of Elton Sawyer off of turn two and down the back stretch. There was a lap car of Mike Dillon that he had to contend with, so for the moment, Elton Sawyer had the advantage, but here comes LeJoy to the inside of turn four. LeJoy is there. If the FINA machine will get a grab off the corner, it does not. So Elton Sawyer will outdistance LeJoy back off the corner inside of four miles remaining, but that's the hot battle as again LeJoy wants third place from Elton Sawyer. It is Ford versus Chevrolet for third. Here they come off in turn two. LeJoy making the low groove work. Sticks that FINA Chevrolet down to the bottom and comes off the back stretch. LeJoy into turn three, and the Barbersaw Ford of Elton Sawyer trying to hang on but cannot get the job done. Randy LeJoy is in third. Things continue to get even worse for Buckshot Jones. He'd worked his way back up to 19th, had a big head of speed, was coming back up through the pack after earlier race problems. Now it appears he may have a tire going down yet again, and he slows on the racetrack with just three laps remaining. Matt Kenseth shows the way he's all alone up in turn number four. Look back, just now entering turn three, Phil Parsons. Two and a half seconds back. The third place battle, that's still the good one. LaJoy and Elton Sawyer. And you notice something here, Joe Moore? Nobody has left the grandstand. Granted, there's a uh, race later on for Super Modifieds, and the country music group Blackhawk entertains here later. But nobody has left. These folks want NASCAR racing in their backyard, and they're taking it in every last second. 248 laps on the board. The leader is Matt Kenseth. He'll work through turn number four and comes back to the stripe to begin the final lap. White flag waves for Matt Kenseth one more mile to score his second win of the year. He's all alone up in turns one and two for the final time. Your pole sitter for the day is still riding in the top spot. Matt Kenseth comes off of turn two as Tony Stewart has a problem about a front stretch, a back stretch ahead of him. Tony Stewart way high in turns three and four. That car on fire. There's sparks coming from underneath the shell Pontiac. Matt Kenseth will get by on the bottom side. Stewart keeps the car high. Kenseth goes low. Matt Kenseth for the second time wins on the NASCAR Bush Series in 1998. Tony Stewart does make it across the stripe well down the line. Second place will go to Phil Parsons. LaJoy is third. Elton Sawyer fourth. Jeff Purvis is fifth. And Matt Kenseth's bunch all jumping and celebrating on pit road. A big win for these guys. And uh, Robbie Reiser, great win for you guys. Uh, thanks a lot. The Lyco Chevrolet performed great. Uh, couldn't ask for a better pit stop there at the end, and Matt did a great job. I mean, this is a great race team, and, and uh, I can't thank everybody more. Uh, all the wives and all the people that are involved in this race team, thanks a lot. My wife, Tracy, and everybody, uh, my son, Ryan, thanks for all the support they've given me over the years. Second win of the year for these guys. They had to work for it today, but Matt Kenseth goes to victory lane. Kenseth scores the win, second in his career. The storybook season continues for that team. Phil Parsons comes in second, Randy LeJoy third, Elton Sawyer fourth, and Jeff Purvis fifth. Matt Kenseth on the radio just radioed to the crew and said, hey, guys. I've never been here. Where's Victory Lane? And they said, wherever you stop, we'll celebrate. He stops at the start-finish line, and we'll be there to celebrate with him in a moment. Ha
NASCAR Today continues on MRN Radio. Back at Pikes Peak International Raceway, where Matt Kenseth has just won the Lycos.com 250, driving the Lycos.com Chevrolet. A great year for that young man, again winning at the North Carolina Speedway early on, winning the Bud Pole here this weekend, and coming on to dominate and win today. He led a couple of laps early, actually the first eight laps from the Bud Pole. Then he led laps 34 and 35, laps 38 through 45. He led then from 156 to 220. Then when pit stops came about, he reassumed the lead at 228 and took it towards the house and led to lap 250. So not at all a fluky performance. He was very much in the mix all afternoon long. Again, Phil Parsons rolled the dice. They decide to stay out, not change tires, maybe get a break they still come home in second spot let's go down to the garage area while we wait to chat with Matt Kenseth and Victory Lane and see if Tony Rizzuti is caught up with any of the other top finishers well we caught up with Phil Parsons but he needed to make a pit stop of his own went running out of the car to go to the truck so we'll talk to Randy LaJoy Randy great third place finish you were fighting back and forth the whole race long we had a great day uh, right off the bat we uh, I didn't know what I was gonna have at the beginning of the race uh, Elton Sawyer and Tim Fito were did the last practice for me and uh, it was a different race car than what I had yesterday morning and uh, thank God because it was better than what I had yesterday morning. How about the race conditions out there? We saw a lot of people late in the race getting in trouble up in turn two. Was the wind a factor or was it just tire wear? I'm not sure. Uh, didn't bother me. Finished third man. A great day for the Phoenix Chevrolet Monte Carlo. A great day for base motorsports. The guys worked real hard. You know, we had a great qualifying run. Hell, now we got to take a week off. Imagine that. I'd say the changes worked. That makes, yeah, yeah, imagine that. That's Randy LaJoy. <laughs> he comes across third. And again, looking back at his season, what it's been like so far, this is a remarkable turnaround for that team. After winning the championship, the team is for the last three years. Randy winning the last two years in a row. It's been sort of a dismal 1998. Maybe the turnaround about to begin for Randy LaJoy. They went almost to the halfway point of the season without even leading a lap, let alone being very much a factor. But again, as he alluded there, they've made a lot of changes this week, a lot of soul searching. Obviously, it paid off. And also, he alluded to the fact that other fellows helped him test the car yesterday when he was off at Michigan running the IROC race. Back to the garage area once again, Tony Rizzuti. Elton Sawyer, you told us that you felt very, very good about this race car in this race. You were very excited. I guess this finish really kind of pays off. Yeah, it was a great effort for uh, the Barbersaw team. Uh, my hat's off to them. Um, had some great pit stops. We stayed up front all day. It's a great racetrack. It's fun to race on. You can go too wide. Uh, right there at the end, we were a little loose in the center, and I had to run a little higher. And Randy's car was really good through the center down in three and four, so, uh, you know, he got us for third. But we'll take fourth, and that's a good effort for us. What was it about this track, or was it the Roush change in motors? What had you so excited? <laughs> well, we've had some good cars and good engines all year long. We just hadn't been able to get them to the end. And, you know, my hat's off to Jack. He gave us a good engine. But uh, my guys did a great job in the pit. We had the right four springs in it, and Goodyear gave us a good tire. So, you know, we finished fourth. A very excited Elton Sawyer, fourth here at Pikes Peak. Looks like a party has broken out down in Victory Lane. Matt Kenseth is standing by with our Marty Snyder. A Gatorade bath for the Lycos team. And Matt Kenseth, congratulations, win number two of 1998. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, it's pretty neat winning the Lycos race with a Lycos Chevrolet. And um, it ran really good all day. Robbie made great calls in the pits. Built a brand new race car here. I really fought him. He wanted to bring it here, and I really didn't. And uh, I guess I better leave him alone and let him do his job a little bit more because this car ran perfect all day long. And, um, you know, Everything went right for us. Tires were good and pit stops were great. And you had to fight for this one. You almost wrecked with Joe Bessie on pit road. And then talk about that last stop, having to come up through the field with only a couple handful of laps left. Well, they put tires on. I told them to free the car up as much as they could. And um, 
it turned real good and we got back through there. I was real concerned about getting back in traffic. We had a really fast race car when it ran by itself, but when we ran in traffic, I had a real hard time pulling up and passing anyone. So as long as they gave me track position and kept the car free enough, it was pretty good. And Mike McLaughlin had problems for the second week in row, so now you're the NASCAR Bush Series points leader once again. Well, I hate to see anybody have problems, but you know, even just, just winning the race, if you would have run second, we still would have took over the lead. I think uh, we led quite a few laps there. So uh, it feels good to win. This is, this is my deal is to win races, and that's what I want to do, and the points will kind of take care of themselves. He led the final 22 laps of the Lycos 250. Matt Kenseth wins here at Pikes Peak. And Mike McLaughlin, as uh, Marty alluded, did have a tough afternoon with that late problem. He came home in 20th spot. By the way, Tony Stewart's just fine. They did have to bring his car in on a flatbed truck as he went wide off turn number two there near the end of the race and rim rode it all the way around towards turns three and four. But uh, Tony made it back okay. The car, though, needed some assistance from the flatbed. Again, Matt Kenseth, the winner, Phil Parsons second, Randy LaJoy third, then Elton Sawyer and Jeff Purvis. We've yet to hear from Phil Parsons and Jeff Purvis, so why don't we head back to the garage now and do just that. Well, Eli, we said earlier about the uh, quick exit that Phil Parsons made, and he's already gone. I guess his wife is expecting twins. He wants to get with her, and so uh, that's the word. But uh, obviously, the roll of the dice they uh, chose to do really paid off for them. We no hope doubt. to get a word for Jeff Purvis here in a second. Yeah, Marsha is due twins, yeah. and he's had this pager. He's been uh -huh. wearing on his uniform, on everything. Wherever Phil goes, he said, if that thing beeps, man, I'm out of here. That's a reason to take off early, uh, certainly so. So we'll uh, maybe get a word from Jeff Purvis here in a few moments. You know, this race really did have a little bit of everything today. What we thought would be sort of a, a stretched out type event based on what we saw in practice and testing here did not turn out to be that at all. We had uh, we had collisions, we had cars spinning out, we had rain, we had uh, the tire situation. We had three wide racing, which I yeah. think on, certainly on Thursday was not at all a possibility. Then the more the track was used, the better uh, the grooves came. And we saw some outstanding runs here today. I think Lex Dudas and the whole crew here at Pikes Peak International have to be awfully tickled. and. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a good start. I think this is going to be a very popular stop on the tour as the years continue. And I think the fans are going to love it, too. The fans here in Colorado see a NASCAR Bush Series racing for the first time. There were a lot of cool moves made today, so now let's decide among ourselves and the MRN radio broadcast team on who made the coolest move, the Luxier Cool Move of the Race Award. Each announcer gets a nomination of the driver with the most votes. We'll receive $500 from Luxair Heating and Air Conditioning. We start out in turn three in the back straightaway with Dan Hubbard. I'm going to give a vote to Tony Stewart. Uh, in the, about the mid part of the race, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Tony Stewart were going at it hammer and tong. Earnhardt uh, hit Stewart pretty good, got him sideways, but Tony kept his foot on the throttle, kept the car off the wall, and was able to finish the race. My vote goes to Tony Stewart. Tony Rizzuti. I'm going to have to say Tony Stewart, too. He was battling with three or four different drivers the entire day, made a three-wide move here on the front straightaway. He had his foot in the gas all day. I'll give it to Tony Stewart. Marty Snyder? For the uh, converse reason, I'll go with Dale Earnhardt Jr. for uh, some great moves, and he fell back through the field a couple of times, had a tire problem at one point in the race, so I'll go with Dale Earnhardt. And uh, while we're here, let's talk to Jeff Purvis, who finished his fifth today, and you made a gamble. You pitted on lap 178, decided to stay out when everybody else pitted. Almost paid off for you. Well, it really wasn't even a gamble. We were <clears throat> we were struggling through the middle part of the race. Rather, there's one part we were pretty good, but it never was as good as it was yesterday in the last practice. So, I don't know. We're gonna have to carry it back and just go through the whole thing and see exactly what was wrong, what went wrong. If you wouldn't have made that move, though, you probably wouldn't have finished in the top five today. The car, as you said a minute ago, just wasn't that good today. No, it really wasn't. But uh, you know, it's uh, you know, we just made some bad calls, I guess. But we made a good couple of good calls as far as pits goes, and and you know, this Lance team, they just keep fighting back and. You know, we, uh, 
I just thought yesterday at the last practice that we were going to be as good as the 17 car, but undoubtedly he hit on something and really got going good. Sometimes those bold moves pay off for you. Jeff Purvis gets his fourth top five of the year. He finishes fifth here at Pikes Peak. Back to the Luxair Cool Move of the Race Award. We have two nominations for Tony Stewart, one for Dale Jr. Eli, what do you think? I'm going to throw in Phil Parsons' team there because I think had Gene Need made a pit stop, they certainly would not have won at lap number 219. The fact that they made a great uh, decision there, no, they didn't win, but they finished second. They probably wouldn't have finished more than fifth or sixth had they uh, elected to make a stop. So uh, I'll say... Uh, Phil Parsons in the bunch for a, a cool move to, to roll the dice and see what happens. Oh, nice of you to do that, but it's not going to make any difference. I'm going with Tony Stewart, oh, so like two of our other <laughs> announcers. I think he had a tremendous day and uh, showed his control over that car. That team showed that uh, they are a winning team and are real close to chalking up their first victory with Tony Stewart behind the wheel. So Tony Stewart wins the Luxier Cool Move of the Race Award. When we come back, we hope to hear from Dale Earnhardt Jr. to talk about the incident between himself and Stanton Barrett out on the racetrack. We'll also update you on the NASCAR Bush Series points and the Wagner Brake Super Crew Award voting. All of that yet to come from Pikes Peak International Raceway. Back at Pikes Peak International Raceway, where Matt Kenseth has won the Lycos.com 250. Members of the media covering today's race have voted the Goodies Headache Award of $250 to Buckshot Jones, having a lot of problems here this afternoon. In a moment, some post-race comments and a complete look at the uh, field rundown from today's race. From Pikes Peak International Raceway, this is MRN Radio. Back at Pikes Peak International Raceway, the uh, super modified car is now pulling onto the pit lane. They're going to run a 25-lap race here this afternoon before a country music concert. These fans are really getting their nickels worth they today. <laughs> it is quite a day of racing here and uh, country music entertainment. Unfortunately, it's also that uh, rain beginning to fall down now. It's uh, pelting down upon the racetrack heavier probably than it has all afternoon long. Time now for the MRN Radio Pit Reporters to vote on the Wagner Brake Super Crew Award. Each of our pit reporters gets a nomination, and the team with the most votes will receive $500 from Wagner Brakes. Let's start with Marty Snyder. Well, although it didn't win them the race, I'll go with Gene Need and Phil Parsons' crew. That was a pretty brave move to... Uh, stay out when everybody else pitted and it could have turned out to be a bad situation not having had tires in uh, quite a long run but it wound up making them uh, second place finishers today so I'll go with Gene Need and uh, Phil Parsons crew. What do you think Tony? Uh, I have to say the same thing it was a great roll of the dice they didn't fall off as much as you might think by not pitting Gene Need gets my vote as well. So Phil Parsons and the Gene Need uh, crew chief uh, on that operation wins the $500 Super Crew Award from Wagner Brakes. Other awards we've told you throughout the course of the day. The Gatorade Front Runner Award at halfway went to Buckshot Jones. We documented that at the time. And we look at the final rundown now and see that Mike Culp from Pinellas Park, Florida has come home in ninth spot here ahead of Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 10th. So Mike becomes the Ray Bestus Brakes rookie of the race and wins $600 from Ray Bestus the best in brakes and the official brakes of NASCAR. Let's take a look at the full field rundown. Matt Kenseth, the winner of the Lycos.com 250. Phil Parsons, the second place finisher. Randy LaJoy was third. Elton Sawyer fourth. And Jeff Purvis came in fifth. Curtis Markham driving relief for Dick Trickle. He's in the sixth position. Seventh is Mark Green. Ron Hornaday driving in relief of Robert Presley finished eighth. Ninth was Mike Cope and tenth was Dale Earnhardt Jr. Eleventh, Jeff Fuller. Patty Moise, a good run. She finishes twelfth. Thirteenth is Jeff Crow. Fourteenth, Tony Stewart. 
15th is Wayne Grubbs, 16th Hermie Sadler, Ed Barrier was 17th, 18th Buckshot Jones, 19th Elliot Sadler, and Mike McLaughlin comes in 20th. Kevin Schwantz champions around to 21st, a couple of laps back. Andy Santer finishes 22nd, 23rd is Glenn Allen and Mike Dillon 24th. Shane Hall finishes 25th, 26th is Tracy Leslie, Blaze Alexander finishes 27th, 28th is Joe Bessie, Brad Knopfsinger will finish 29th, and Kevin Grubb 30th. 31st is Stanton Barrett, 32nd Jimmy Kitchens. 33rd today will be Jason Keller. Bobby Hillen will finish 34th. 35th is Tim Fidua. Mark Day finishes 36th. 37th is Matt Hutter. Mark Krogh will finish 38th. Perry Tripp, 39th. Alan Russell, 40th. 41st was Doug Taylor. 42nd, Rick Corelli. And first out of the event, 43rd place finisher will be Johnny Chapman. Now, how this all translates as far as the NASCAR Bush Series point standings are concerned, Matt Kenseth does take the point lead by 73 points over Mike McLaughlin, who is now second. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is third, 82 points down. So how that affects the start of the race, McLaughlin led. He's now in second by 73, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. was 45 points out of the lead at the beginning of the day. He's still in third, but now 82 points behind the new Series point leader and the race winner Matt Kenseth. Next Sunday, MRN Radio is at the Pocono Raceway in Pennsylvania for the Pocono 500. Airtime is 12.45 Eastern Time. We kick off the whole weekend with Bud Pole qualifying. That's on Friday afternoon starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. The NASCAR Truck Network is at the Bristol Motor Speedway in Tennessee Saturday for the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Their Load Handler 200. Our airtime is 6.45 Eastern Time. The NASCAR Bush Series takes a week off. They're back in action on Sunday, June the 28th. Well, I saw 200 runs at Watkins Glen International at Watkins Glen, New York. Then we head down to Daytona for NASCAR Winston Cup Series action. Under the lights, the Pepsi 400. Boy, I'm looking forward to that one on uh, Saturday, July the 4th. First time ever on a super speedway under the lights. Everybody's pretty excited about that race. Testing there last week, early in the week, it was uh, hugely successful. Few areas where they say they're going to refocus the lights just a tad, but everything went uh, particularly well. And the drivers said, interestingly, that they were able in some instances to see better under the lights than they could through the glare of the bright, sunshiny day, which is a very interesting comment. But yeah, got rave reviews. Daytona also talking about expansion plans for next year. So lots going on down at the World Center of Racing. And we'll have all these races for you right here on MRN Radio. Let's check down in the pits with Tony Rizzuti one final time. Well, Dale Jr. emerged from the office of the Bush trailer where he had been summoned. He's standing in the inside part, but uh, isn't coming out right now. I don't know if his discussions with the officials are are done. We did notice Tony Stewart walking from the trailer when Dale Jr. went in, and we just saw Tony Stewart's crew chief walk into the office. So not sure what's happening down here, but uh, uh, Dale Earnhardt I don't think will be coming out to talk. The NASCAR officials have summoned many of the drivers and crew chiefs to the Mobile Command Center, the trailer that travels from race to race to discuss some of the racing that went on today. It was certainly a physical event, to say the very least, and. Uh, they just wanted to talk to some guys and make sure they knew exactly what the ground rules are heading to the next race a couple of weeks from now. Not really an unusual procedure after a race is complete. Well, that wraps up our coverage from here at Pikes Peak International Raceway. We have more th uh, things coming for you throughout the course of the week. NASCAR Today, daily on MRN Radio with news and information on NASCAR racing. NASCAR Live on Tuesday at 7 p.m. with Eli Gold. Eli talks to the stars of NASCAR racing. And NASCAR Garage, a daily look into the technical side of NASCAR racing. Keep 
listening to many of these same stations for all those shows throughout the week and stay up to date on what's going on in the world of NASCAR. We thank the folks who helped to make our broadcast possible today. Dan Hubbard out in turn three covering the action on the back straightaway. Marty Snyder and Tony Rizzuti down along the pit lane. And Eli Gold here alongside me. Good to have you back in the booth with us, Eli, as we move on to our next event coming up another uh, week uh, from now at Pocono International Raceway. Our congratulations again to Matt Kenseth, who scores the win, scores the bud pole and the win in the Lycos.com 250. I'm Joe Moore. Goodbye, everyone, from Pikes Peak International Raceway in Colorado. MRN Radio. Coverage of the NASCAR Bush Series has come to you from the Pikes Peak International Raceway. Sponsored by Sears Die Hard, America's most trusted battery. Sponsoring the Die Hard Race Fan by 76 Products, makers of the official fuel of NASCAR. By True Value, the official hardware store of NASCAR and garages everywhere. By your Luxair Heating and Air Conditioning dealer. Sponsor of the 1996 NASCAR Bush Series Rookie of the Year, Glenn Allen, and the number 99 Chevrolet. By Brewery Fresh Budweiser, who reminds you, fresh beer tastes better. By Wagner Brake Products, when it comes to your car or truck, don't stop with anything less than Wagner Brakes, and by Moog Chassis Parts, the only chassis parts officially licensed by NASCAR. The executive producer of MRN Radio is David Hyatt, national sales manager Bruce Mosley, senior producer Mark Williams, chief engineer Harry Howard, broadcast engineering manager Cameron Smith, traffic manager Stephanie Ellis, broadcast coordinator Sandra Good, affiliate relations Cheryl Marzello, and Peter DiGiorgio, remote operations Ed LaRue, producer Steve Usina, production assistant Robin Vandegraaff. This is Rick Lewis. This broadcast was a production of MRN Radio, a division of International Speedway Corporation. This week's MRN Classic Race has been brought to you by Hercules Tires.